the remembrance speaks to us of the cruel night that is a spoiler of narratives begotten to the weakness of the spoiler, reminding us to cherish each chapter and safeguard the legacy of our clan's tale. For those who need it spoken more distinctly, this is a spoiler warning. This episode has spoilers. This is Of Mechs and Men, a Battletech book club. I am Kanan Hill, joined, as usual, by my two good friends, Brent. It's me, Brent. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. And also, special guests, Chandler and Derek, from the On the Origins of Battle Mechs podcast. How we doing, boys? Howdy, howdy. Doing pretty great. How's it going? It's a special occasion. We have Chandler and Derek here. We are very excited. We love your show, by the way, on the Origins of Battle Mechs. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. If you want to know what it's about, it's about the Origins of Battle Mechs. Okay? <laughs> it's very detailed. I think it's a really entertaining listen. They're informative and entertaining. And uh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. I believe the pleasure is ours. Yeah. So, as you know, we are here to remember. This is The Remembrance of Warrior Repost. By Michael A. Stackpole, right? What do you say? Have you guys read the book, Warrior Repost? Good book? I mean, I've I've read it three or four times now. Really nice. enjoyed it. So nice. That's how I conned my way into this episode. Me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute for me, but it was one of the first books I uh, read when getting in the Battletech, and I really enjoyed it at the time. And I probably would really enjoy it if I reread it today. Good book. It's the wedding one, right? Yeah. It's the one with the wedding, dude. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happened to the Capella Confederation in that book. <laughs> it's really like, does anything good happen to the Confederation? <laughs> they get free dishware. Yeah, they yeah. do get free dishware. <laughs> I don't take the upsides. Okay, so we have prepared some questions, right? Or maybe not questions, discussion topics, if you will. We've done this before. If you recall, for part one, we hosted the guys from the Valhalla Club and Jason Hanza, if you remember. That was a very fun episode, but this one should be a little less crazy. I, you know, I don't think we're going to start yelling about centrally located airports or uh, what have you. Although we could. <laughs> we could. I could rant about Washington <laughs> airports. I mean, I, I could rant about living in the middle of the plain states. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so tune in. We <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll have a repeat. <laughs> yes. So, and as last time, uh, Aaron will be asking the questions because I'm only good at talking about books. I realize that uh, <laughs> talking to people makes me uncomfortable. So I told Aaron to ask the question. So please, he will be our designated moderator for the evening, kind of helping us string us along. He'll be like kind of taking on the hosting, right? Structural duties, if you will. As last time, he did a great job, didn't he, folks? He's a chief engineer. What can I say? So we got him here. We're here to talk about our guests and uh, talk about this book. See what they got to say. I don't know. Aaron, help me out. Start us off. So to get things rolling here. Just in case any of our listeners haven't heard on the origins of Battle Max before, do you two want to go through a quick rundown of what your show's about and what you kind of cover in an episode? Uh, yeah, 
We can do a quick rundown. So a typical episode, we will go over a unit. So for On the Origins of Battle Mechs, it would be, of course, a Battle Mech. Armor Up would be a vehicle, or once we get to them, Battle Armor. And then, mm-hmm. of course, well, Aviation Academics takes a different turn. Yeah, so for Aviator Academics, what we've been doing is doing time periods, just because it makes it a lot easier, because some of the ships, it would literally be a two-minute episode of, hey, this ship existed. Here's like a quick like rundown <laughs> of it. So we've been doing it based on time periods, so about 50 to 100 year spans especially in the early periods, because there's a bit of a drought, then a ton of warships come along or a ton of jump ships come along. So that's kind of how we've been doing it. And we'll cover maybe like seven to eight different uh, units. Uh, Yeah, so for On the Origins, Battle Mix, and Armor Up, we tend to focus on a single unit or maybe two very closely related units. And we'll go through the history, you know, why the unit was put into production and developed if we do know that information the stats of the unit, all the different variants, any notable pilots. So for something like the Centurion, we have some notable pilots that may exist. <laughs> <laughs> or when we get to the Centurion. Yeah. yeah. And then for Aviator Academics, how we've been doing it is we've been rotating between. So our first episode, so basically our odd episodes are warships and our even episodes are like fighters, drop ships, that kind of stuff. So we've been rotating between them and then covering along the same time period. So you're getting about the same 100 100 year to 50 year span during that time. So you get to see both warship development and then fighter development happening simultaneously. So like we should be putting out our third episode here soon when I finally edit it. (laughs) Yeah, Prolific. If you've never listened to the show, however many episodes you think there are, there's more. <laughs> it's shocking. I mean, these guys work is what I mean. How many episodes of On the Origins are there? 120 for, uh, for On the Origins of Battle Mix. There's 34 for Armor Up, and then Aviator Academics has two with a third in the works. And most of them are like at least an hour, hour and a half long, something like that, aren't they? It depends on the units, but uh, yeah. I think Aviator tends to run longer because of the different format. Yeah, we ours tend to be just over an hour, I think. The last episode I put out was about an hour and a half. Yeah. And this next episode should probably be along those same lines. But it's also because we're hitting a lot of time period of content. Uh, once we get to the succession wars and things start disappearing. The dark times. Yeah, the dark times. <laughs> will probably be a lot quicker episodes because we'll be like, hey, there's like three things. Here you guys go. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a quiet time period, my boys. The clans made a 2C refit. Woo! Yeah, they made a 2C refit. Worship. Go team. I think that is like, as far as a collection of information about a single unit, I don't think that there's any um, single piece of media that would be more comprehensive than an On the Origins episode. Right. I, I don't think that there's a single thing. If you want to talk about the crab or whatever, I don't think that there's a document longer than <laughs> an On the Origins episode. I, I, it's probably the most comprehensive collection of information about a single unit. At least not in all in one place, right? Yeah. They hit it all, really. The research phase seems like ex, like exhaustive, honestly. I'm like, man, these guys really did their research. I, I, when, whenever I listen, I always think, this is like a lot of homework, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a good at least 30 minutes of writing show notes beforehand. Luckily, Sarna exists, which is able to point us in the right direction a lot of the time. I tend to just use it as a, oh, yeah, the crab. These, This is all the TROs that the crab shows up in and all yeah. the record beats. Sarna is just such a godsend. Uh, we yeah. use it, too, because like you said, it, those sources at the bottom can really point you in the direction of some interesting stuff. 
Yeah, and it, it provides a nice cross reference to be like, wait a minute, did I get everything? So I know with right. that, I'll I'll dig into there probably a couple of days before the episode to go read around on that, go look at the different models on like Mech Factory and stuff just to see, go into uh, Mega Mech or even just pull up the rec guides because some of that stuff hasn't transferred yet. So I can be able to look at it. I will fully admit there's a few episodes where I am just winging that really, really hard uh, <laughs> because yeah. I'm looking at I, yeah. <laughs> we. The first time I'm seeing that uh, that mech is when I'm talking to you about it, and I am giving my takes based like freshly off of no prior knowledge and just being like, "This is a thing. And this is what I think it. <laughs> you know, this is where I think it came from." Just reacting like to it, just right there. Yeah, yeah the that's, risk. That's yeah, that's a fun little <laughs> game. It's like see if you can find out. If someone doesn't know anything. Yeah. If you, if you want to go back and listen, listen through our episodes and try and find where Derek is just winging it. I, I would <laughs> love for you to do that. I, I want to, I want to see if anybody ever caught on because so far it doesn't seem like anybody has. And I, and I have told people, Hey, I wing this a lot sometimes because <laughs> I forget where I forget we're recording or something. You could like trap him be like, man, it's crazy. This thing has four arms. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's <laughs> nuts. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the idea. I'm have to do this. <laughs> Guys, I never knew that the uh, the Phoenix Hawk Two had 13 arms. He says that, and then then comes Gen Con when we're staying at the same house, and I'm just tormenting him the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> all these squares make a circle. <laughs> yeah, all these squares make a circle. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of all this, what made you decide to take this on? I mean, this is a massive project. There's a lot of battle mechs, let alone other units that you're covering in your other podcasts like what was the catalyst for this ironically neither derek or i is a you know first show yeah we're uh, not we're not founding members yeah ironically <laughs> um, <laughs> we're just the current lineup but um, yeah oh, so do you have the deep lore for the most part yeah from my understanding there was a desire from brent and josh who were the two main hosts at the time Brent being your Brent. Brent, right? Brent's yeah, our, our Brent. <laughs> uh, Canadian, Canadian Brent. Canadian, Canadian Brent. Yes. yes. There was a desire to have a more in-depth unit podcast, unit, you know. Uh, it, it was basically, they saw, yeah, no, I, I got you, Chandler. They basically saw the, that you had podcasts like Wolfnet that were covering, you know, general battle tech, the game and everything, but not really, like, they talked about mechs but more from the perspective of the game than actually going in depth on them. And then of course, you know, you had the text talk stuff where he does this kind of an overview. And again, they wanted to do their whole idea was, Hey, let's do something very in depth, start from the beginning and do just essentially an encyclopedia of mechs. We just go yeah. through everything and just start to finish. And yeah, that's exactly what we've been doing as a project. It totally makes sense. Right. I mean, this is the units are the, beating heart of the game right it's like you put things on a table and then they're like let's just talk about those things that you put on the table because that is kind of otherwise it's just some trees and stuff on a little <laughs> <Yeah>. table <laughs> i think they call it a, a diorama but seriously i'm like it makes sense it's like it's like what if you were doing <laughs> like if this is a pokemon show it's like we talk about the anime and they talk about the pokemon Right. I mean, yeah. Essentially. And man, it's yeah. crazy when that primate attacked Ash. They're like Charizard gets this at level whatever. I've like, thought about it like that. I mean, that's a pretty good. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a pretty good description of it. <laughs> After listening to y'all show, you do get to pick up just how much lore there are behind each unit. 
like each variation that you're going through and you're talking about this was released by this organization during this time period for this purpose. And it does add a lot of life to each unit and variant that I think makes it a lot of fun to tune into. That's kind of the how we like to view it. I know at least my perspective when I'm on the show is I like to look at it more from either as realistic point of view as you can for something that is very unrealistic. <laughs> but uh, I want to be like, hey, this is the role of this mech because there's a lot of mechs that I've I've heard people talk about since I've joined Battletech where they're like, well, this mech sucks on the table. And it's like, well, it's not meant, not necessarily designed for being a free-for-all mech and a grinder, you know, or whatever. It's, it's meant to right. operate in a certain type of lance in a certain type of environment. Like, it is just not meant to go brawling or it's not meant to do whatever because that's just not how the design is or that's that's the way i know i look at it and i think for the most part chandler and brent are generally on the same page is we we generally look at it not from a game perspective but more of a realistic perspective of how would this get used like you have some of the blake is protectorate mechs that we've looked at in the last few episodes where it's like you look at it and you're like wow this is a wacky design and then you realize oh wait the reason that it is this way is because they're just trying to pump out something cheap to hand off to uh, yeah. what amount the cannon fodder troops to throw at Stone's coalition. So that's actually one of my favorite things about the show. As a fan of you guys, like I do really love that it's coming from this like in-universe perspective, right? But on that note, I've always wondered, like, do you guys sometimes read between the lines? When you're reading all of the uh, little TRO entries and it's like, oh, it was made in this factory. And how often are you guys kind of just like, oh, it looks like this is a picture of X. Yeah, at least for how I view them as I look at them through, well, my active duty military experience, being a logistics officer kind of, hey, this is how it would function. This is, I'm sure you've heard some of my comments on sustainment of, of weapon systems in, in the episodes, but also just like, well, how would this operate in a larger scale force? Like, what would its purpose be? I know I'm rehashing a little bit, but I know with reading the TROs, reading Sarna, or getting all that knowledge beforehand for the episodes, I, at least from where I'm sitting, is I look at it like this, of what, what era is it being designed in? What era is it being built in? who's using it because you know you've got like i said with the blakists you know the design era you know where it's coming from but then you look at some of the uh, inner sphere designs with the retro tech that starts to appear that we've gone over for like the jihad where essentially house all the great houses are literally just pumping out a mech to just hand over to someone like aaron and be like good job buddy go <laughs> off to the front line if you make it you make it if not we got He's someone else. And we got another. Yeah, you, you, you done good. We'll put your name on a monument and call it a day. That's kind of the thing is, as you look through the max is it's like, what era is it being built in? Who's using it? What designs are these? Because you get to some of these unit models and you're like, all right, why does this exist? And then you're like, all right, it's, you know, second succession war refit because tech is downgraded. That's why they threw this thing together. And they just need a mech. They don't really care that oh, it's a rifleman and it's not designed for frontline combat. Right. I need something to fill a role. I don't exactly need it to be good at it. I just need it to be there. And I've got the ability to produce these things or a Jaeger mech or insert whatever. And that's kind of where you get that. And then, you know, coming into the later eras where you get clan invasion or, well, Renaissance for succession wars clan invasion all of that you get to see the opposite side of that is 
hey, we get to start slapping on the fancy stuff now because we have it again. Thanks, Grayson. Yeah, and you get the really <laughs> weird hodgepodges of yeah, yeah. junk that they throw on that's like, yeah, it's high tech, but like they didn't think that. <laughs> I, I love the Hatchet Man. Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> the Hatchet Man they thought through. <laughs> yeah, the Hatchet Man actually is a pretty good thought through. Um, that's a bonsai joint. Yeah, that man's a genius. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm down with Dr. Bonsai. <laughs> He's my man. HKC. <laughs> but you you get to see a lot of that of going into the later eras or the more current eras for us, at least as players and what we generally play in. A lot of those mechs, people are like, well, why is it designed like this? Well, one, you're dealing with defense budgets in universe because I can't afford to slap all these all these fancy toys. I can only give you a couple large pulse lasers and call it good. But like you've got medium lasers, regular inner sphere medium lasers at that. And it's just like, here you go. Like, well, what is this? This isn't what I wanted. I wanted I wanted all the new stuff. And they're like, well, man, um, quartermaster's <laughs> office over there says that we don't have enough money to do that. So you get what you get. This is what you get. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, for the average episode, I want to say on the Laura side, it's about 90% solid facts, 10% read between the lines. With the read between the lines especially being heavier on the different variants. Because some variants are literally just, it was produced by blank in this year right. off of this chassis. And it's like, well, that's, but why? Yeah. Sometimes it's just a record sheet. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to kind of like uh, finagle your way through the, the details to figure it out. Yeah, like you yeah. go into some of the like the rec guides TROs and it's literally like the model they're talking about is one, but they give you like two or three additional models with you know the nomenclature and everything and you're like well what is this who who who's what what is the purpose of this because i don't know because you didn't tell me so you have to go look onto you know master unit list who has it and then just kind of figure it out do a little bit of read between the lines from there but for the most part yeah it is largely based on what's already written and go from there well with all the material you all have covered as well as adding in the sister shows like armored up aviator academics what does the future of on the origins look like to you guys that is a very good question to be honest <laughs> yeah. i don't think we'll get much larger as for the future i think it's continuing kind of where we're at and just keep going i know with the main show right now we're kind of on a bit of a break with some real life stuff but the other shows we're pushing forward so yeah i've been poked about doing a show for leviathans when it comes out I don't know if I will. Leviathans, dude. Are there books for those? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, there's a couple Not of yet. like short novel or short stories, anthologies, and then a uh, couple of novellas. But I know Brent has poked me about that, and a couple other people have. But I, our Brent, Canadian Brent, sorry, Brent. Not Florida <laughs> Brent. Let me, let me be clear on that one. Brent 2C is what I, yeah. you know. That's <laughs> the Brent C model. I'm the, I'm the yeah. clan variant. No, no, no. You're you're Brent F. You're you're the F. Our <laughs> ours is the C model, the Canadian model. Anyway. I see. Yeah. <laughs> no, just one C. Yeah, I think for the most part, it's just continuing on what we're doing um, and just get chugging along. I know for me, and I think, you know, Chandler might be in the same agreement. I'd really like to get back to doing two episodes a month, getting through the the massive backlog of mechs because I want to there's a few that I really, really want to get to, but they are uh very far into the future. But we'll see. 
when are we going to get the uh, Marauder 2C episode? <laughs> Ironically, not as it's not going to be as long as you would think. <laughs> well, if you need any help with it, you know, I call off. <laughs> yeah, you guys can call me. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually getting close. Uh, we're in the middle, just starting to hit the Ameri Civil War mechs. So our next one is going to be the King Crab. And then from there, going forward. So we'll, we should be starting to hit the clan mechs here soon. The nice part is, is once we get through like the Star League era, it gets back to kind of opening up, like I was saying with my show, oh, where certain eras are very drought-oriented. Uh, and we'll be basically going all on clans for a while because the Inner Sphere isn't making anything new because they're yeah. kind of in the process of bombing each other back <laughs> to the Stone Age. But yeah. Yeah, the time frame where it's like, yeah, there's nothing new. Like, well, there's a lot of new things. Like, all the Omni mechs for the invasion yep. come out before the Renaissance era, pretty much. Right. <laughs> so we're gonna have all the clan mechs before we even get to, you know, like the Hatchman. Yeah. So we're we're finally gonna get to answer one of our review, one of our one star reviews where we only got half the universe. Yes, we will get there. We are about. <laughs> to be, we oh, are no. going to give you your clan mechs. And uh, Mr. Apple right. podcast uh, yeah. commenter who asked why we hadn't done the King Crab yet. We, we're getting there. We're almost there. Brent's very sorry about that. He said that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the bust. It is arrived. Uh, no, uh, I, I like to reference that one because that's like one of my absolute favorite reviews. If you guys are only getting half the universe and I'm like, timeline. We're <laughs> yeah. based yeah. on the timeline. We've made that clear. Like it's very crucial and it's like it's I'm pretty sure almost every episode it's kind of referenced that it's like, hey, we're doing these in order that they appear, right? Like in the timeline. Yeah. So yep. it is surprising that people don't get that. It, but I still wouldn't be shocked if over half of your contact from fans is when are you doing this Mac? I mean I just did it to you, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's fairly normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for the most part, a lot of the, especially the folks on our Discord, it's, uh, they do understand that we're going through the timeline. So they're talking about, you know, Star League era stuff that we haven't covered yet. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, yeah, that's like, you know, a couple episodes away. Or, oh, that's like one of the last things the Star League ever did was put this into production. So sorry, <laughs> you're going to have to wait for a while. We will get there, we promise. One of my favorite parts is that listening to this show has given me opinions about manufacturers right in just yeah. the way that's just yeah. insane oh, yeah. where you guys have like strong oh, we got another one we got another one coming from these guys it's like oh wow you know uh let's see if they can improve on their previous i love that i love that you you probably have the most knowledge about the various manufacturers i think it's so funny I have learned so much about fictional corporations. That <laughs> yeah. Like even even Jesse and I on uh, on Aviator Academics, like we've already started doing that because we're running into some of the same companies as we're seeing warship designs coming out for like the Star League or well Terran Hegemony, and it's like, oh look, it's these guys again. We kind of know their design philosophy, so let's see what they've done this time. I like that the fiction is well considered enough to have like similarities amongst manufacturers, right? That they actually were like that, that a manufacturer would even have a design philosophy, right? This is what I mean. Battletech is insane, right? You guys got to read this stuff. It's nuts. I love the manufacturers. Yeah. What are we taking? Do we like Martels? Do we like Magnus? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got a, I got a Martel medium laser shirt at LVO. So I kind of, kind of biased at this point. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think so too. I, you know, eat a light, baby. I kind of like to run a Martell. I'm kind of a Martell man myself. You know what I mean? I, I'm, a, I'm a big 
fan of the Hellstar PPC, so, you know. <laughs> Hellstar, that's a classic. I know this is a uh, little bit of a shot from the hip, but do you guys have a favorite manufacturer? You know, is there one that you're like, man, just these guys just only kick out like winners? I know for me, I'm a big fan of Callan Industries because they've pumped out a lot of my like later favorite mechs, like the the Templar, the Iris. Trying to think what else. I mean them, and then what's uh, what's the uh, Free Worlds League Corporation Chandler, the one Arian? that. Uh, yeah, Arian. Arian's done a lot of my favorite, some of my favorite designs. Arian's good. Um, with the Giuliano. Yeah. The Giuliano. I'm a big fan of North Storm, even though they kind of uh, have a bad time. Yeah, they they don't have a great time. <laughs> Hellspawn, huh? Hellspawn's cool. They're they're a pretty solid Capellan manufacturer, so they tend I mean, to get a bad name because Capellans. I agree. Underrated, underrated <laughs> manufacturer. <laughs> Shout out to Hellspawn. You got some good. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of the of Tikhanov during a certain period of time. Yes, it was Hans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we, we liked our time on taking off. Um, anyway, <laughs> I also, I also can't help but love Kaliyama because they make a lot of the uh, hunchback variants. Oh yes. yeah. Along dude. with uh, a yeah. couple of other things. Dude, armor up is really cool. I really like brute. I love the intro. Uh, <laughs> Brute's great. He seems like such a cool guy. He's so funny. He is. And I love how on armor up, I think I've said this before where it, they talk about it in such a casual way. It feels like they just got back to the, like they just took it out for a spin, right? It feels like they just got <laughs> done writing this thing. And it's just two dudes chatting about it back in the barracks. Like, you know, it rides a little rough, but you know, it's got a nice smooth action to it. It's so funny how they talk about it. It, it feels so real. Really. I, 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 I totally think they're onto something. Yeah. It's, it's funny seeing the different vibes of the three shows where brute and i kind of gone the total water cooler like oh yeah. Uh, yeah we just took out the freaking scorpion for a spin ah quick sell doesn't know how to put those freaking things together you know that's what it feels like it does it's pretty fun or even that you've like worked on them like you're like oh, yeah that thing's yeah. such a pain to work on <laughs> this is so cool yeah, yeah. and it, i think part of that's also this a different vibe for vehicles and battle tech they've definitely leaned in lore wise to that kind of aspect and then of course you know on the origin of battle mechs it's very much more of like a a school class vibe or like a, a learning experience. Vehicles are like everyone, you know, you think Battletech, you think the robots. But now that I've gotten more into it, more than ever, I'm I'm deeper in than I've ever been. And uh, <laughs> I'm learning more about the tabletop game. You know, I never played it any. Like at Gen Con, that was the first time I ever went to like a legit, like, oh, dude, there's like a tournament. And you realize that like, there's a lot of vehicles. A lot of people are like, yeah, I brought my two <laughs> mechs and here's my four tanks, my two trucks. You're like, oh, there's... Like a lot of people have more vehicles than anything. Like the vehicles are important, right? Don't forget about the vehicles. They're so important. Yeah. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, uh, Derek, you, you might be able to co corroborate this one a bit better. It's like for every mech regiment, there's like three conventional regiments. Yeah. It depends on the faction. I know yeah. with the Valerians and Federated Sons do the RCT, which is you've got a mech regiment of anywhere between like 120 to almost 200 mechs. And then that's backed up by a quote-unquote brigade of tanks on armored vehicles. Uh, so about three to four regiments of that, which in a modern U.S. military would be literally a armored division, if not bigger. And then you've got essentially another version of that infantry division, an artillery brigade, then an entire like fighter wing assigned to them. So like almost 70 to 80 fighter aircraft, plus all their drop ships and all the support personnel along with all that stuff yeah that's the funny thing that people i think 
kind of don't realize with some of the universe is that there's a lot of conventional weapons that have to get brought along in order for you to take a planet. Because I know one of the newer shrapnel stories kind of talks about that too. If, like you can show up on a planet with a company of mechs, but at some point you're going to have to get out of the mechs and the locals yeah. are not going to be very happy with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they might get a little bit stabby. Yeah, it's like the the modern outlook where tanks can take land, but you know you need infantry to hold it, and it goes doubly so with mechs. You know, mechs can take a planet, but conventional assets will hold the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, uh, clearly, you're a deep well of unit info and source material. So this clearly gives you a a unique perspective, even amongst fellow content creators of BattleTech. I mean, like I'm kind of our on the origin guy on this show and uh <laughs> i don't have the wealth of knowledge that you guys have kind of gathered from going through all of these units with a fine tooth comb so uh we got a few questions for you to kind of get something out of your interesting perspective so uh kind of a basic question but uh What's your favorite Battletech unit that you've covered thus far? It makes it easy for me because I, I went back and looked and was like, what episode did I start on the show from? And I'm just going to take from there, take from that list. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, because uh, looking at that list, eh, I'm going to hurt Gideon's feelings, but um, it's not the crab. It's going to be the Cyclops. Oh, no, the Cyclops. I'm a big sucker for the Cyclops. I just don't know why, but I, I love that giant head that it has with the giant, like, dome-like cockpit. Very distinctive. Yeah. 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 How do you like the new art for it? I love it. I have, I think I have, like, four or five new Cyclopses because I just love them so much. Because every, essentially, every one of my units has to have one in a command role. So, like, my Free Worlds <laughs> League guys that are behind me right now have one. My Federated Sons have, like, two or three. And then I think my I want to put one in my Ghost Bears because I want to use the C variant. So I was going to say, of of the Cyclops, which is your favorite variant? I will say I really like the C, the new Ghost Bear one, because it's got the hardened armor. I think, Oh yeah, yeah we did a tournament up in Oklahoma City. We did a Solaris tournament set in uh, Ilkline era, and someone brought a Cyclops C. It was a... Kid, yeah, it was a, it was a kid and his dad. His the kid brought a um one of the C variant atlases. Was it the C variant? It was one of the whatever. It was one of the atlas variants that had hardened armor. And then uh, he brought the Cyclops C, and that was just so much fun to watch. Is just watch this Cyclops just get absolutely just beat to death, but like it just would not die because they couldn't punch through its armor, and it just sat there and laughed, and even though it was like a five six pilot or something. It's like eventually this thing's gonna hit like this light mech, and this light mech is gonna yeah is gonna leave this plane of existence. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the classic. Uh, you have to keep getting lucky. I only have to get lucky once. Yeah. <laughs> Does it have AES or anything to kind of counteract? No, the hard it armor? doesn't. Nope. Okay. It has a streak uh, LRM ten streak fours in its uh, left and center torso, and then it has two clan ER mediums and a clan uh, Gauss rifle with case two. Oh man! And it's standard engine. I'm going to have to keep this in mind. This seems like a good <laughs> companion for, you know, if you've purchased from Fox the uh, Hammerhead. I feel yeah. like it's a real good, like, tanky. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Goes yeah. hand in hand. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> or the other one that I really like is the 11G, which is basically the downgraded version of it. It doesn't have the hardened armor, but it has the endosteel and it has Pharaoh, but it has basically the same weapons loadout, just intersphere uh, oriented. So yeah. I, I like both of them. Comstar did good on that one. Who yeah. makes the Cyclops? 
Uh, right now, it's actually yeah, Clan Ghost Bear. Oh. Because yeah, the Ghost Bears are producing it. Grumium picked it up after the original mm. company went under after the you know, Star League. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of the ones that are floating around the inner sphere at this point were actually either left over or their new Grumium productions. Like the Cyclops 11G is basically the export version of the of the C. So they're basically yeah. exporting those out. Well, yeah. Eh, well, the C is also exported too. Yeah. Well, the 11G originally came out back when you know the Com Guards were a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Back but, when we I had mean, a free Russell Hog Republic. But yeah, for for the most part, most Cyclopses that you see up until basically the, the clan invasion with the 11G are actually not production models. They are just refit models of yeah. original um, Cyclopses. And then it's Grumium. That's interesting. And uh, the free, wor- uh, what is it? The free Russell Hog Republic alongside the Com Guards that start putting them back into production. And yeah, then when and the Ghost Bear moves in, uh, they just continue the continue. That makes sense why the Ghost Bears are, uh, they just took over for Russell Hig. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, Grumium's still in, still in charge of that factory. It's just under Ghost Bear. It's just under Dominion control. I see. Yep. Uh, yes. Grumium, uh, also producers of the Viking. Yep. Yes. Oh, which is yes. another Viking. Hero what is this? Oh, my God. Oh, oh the Viking. Kanan, you're not familiar <laughs> with the Viking. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've made Bryn aware of the Viking, so it's oops all missiles. Yeah. And then there's and the Viking two C, which is even scary. The the two C <laughs> it's its scarier older brother. It's a big one. Yeah. It's a big yeah. <laughs> I, I love how Kanan says oh no and my response is oh yes. Because <laughs> I I have watched a Viking bully an Omega to death with just slamming it with LRMs so that, oh, man. So that Omega fell on its face and killed the pilot. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like you, our our guy who brought that Omega to it to a tabletop game you just watch his face just like just get sad <laughs> it's just <laughs> because this viking is literally just sitting on a hill not moving like just staring at the omega daring it to come at it <laughs> it's like it's like i i'm not afraid of you you can fire your gas <laughs> rifles you can fire whatever at me i'm just gonna sit here and take it but i missile am going scoper. to make you yeah, yeah. but missile scoper <laughs> All right, so a Cyclops lover, Derek is. So uh, Chandler, what about you? What is, uh, of what you've covered, what's your favorite? Out of what we've covered, my favorite unit. I, I actually have two different answers to this one. So the favorite, my favorite unit out of what we covered is Hunchback. It's a classic. It was Beautiful. one of my favorite units when I first started. <laughs> and it still has a soft spot in my heart. It's just so versatile. And, you know, worst comes to worst, you just fall back on an AC-20 variant and you just smack them until they stop moving. Yep. Well, you're in good company here. Aaron also, very early on, fell in love with the uh, Hunchback. Oh, yeah. I um, also have that same soft spot and love that it gives others the same <laughs> soft spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wherever that AC-20 lands. <laughs> the Hunchback seems fun to drive, right? Because you're up there. You're just right next to that big gun. Can you imagine oh, yeah. shooting that thing? I feel like you got to hold on. Like, I feel like I would wince every time I'm like, ah, like boom, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I have to wonder that, like, they have to probably do TBI scans for the pilots. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. <laughs> they 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 make sure in. they don't have, uh, you know, neurological damage from the concussion. Yeah. Yeah. Our listeners are familiar with the j- many jokes I've made about uh, the CTE that hunchback pilots likely suffer. <laughs> I even make an allusions to maybe that's why Andy does some of the things that he does. It's possible. I mean, I'm not going to argue that because it's yeah. probably <laughs> neither. <to be> <laughs> But out of out of all the episodes we've done, my favorite episode, I, I I think I'm gonna have to say it was the awesome episode, just because of oh yeah, 
having uh, Tex on as a uh, guest host, and it was like, oh yeah, he's going to show up. He's going to ask. We're going to ask him some questions. He's going to put his input in, and that is just not what happened. He just took over. He just took over. Yeah, and we're we're all messaging each other. Like Chandler and I are messaging each other, and we're like, should we should we get him back on track? And we're like, nah, nah, just let him go. Nah, just let him do. <laughs> Let's let him cook. It, you're right, though. It's just gold, though. I wouldn't have stopped him either. I'm like, man, he's just got that soothing voice. You can just like just listen to him. Well, then he yep. then he starts talking about the manufacturer for the awesome and just goes yeah. on like a 15 minute tangent. And we're just like, what? It's beautiful. <laughs> like I'm yeah. I had my I had my <laughs> mic muted and I'm like sitting there like quickly going on to Sarna to be like, what the hell is he talking about? I need to, <laughs> I, need, I need to if it gets thrown back at me, I at least need to be able to talk competently with him. <laughs> yeah, you can tell he was uh, a lover of the awesome very easily just by how much knowledge he had but that was awesome yeah but that was probably i think i think that's all three of ours favorite episode we've done so far just because we just had somebody who essentially just came on and wasn't like this is your show i'm just here just was like i am having fun and we're all going to have fun together and just went full (laughs) like full speed ahead (laughs) yeah and we're just like all right cool we're 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 here for it man you're having fun together (laughs) yeah so to kind of build on top of that last question, so not just of what you've covered, but overall, you guys clearly have a vast scope of all of these units. So overall, what's the one that like you just absolutely love? This is your mech. It would be the Templar when I first started because of Mech Warrior 4. But since playing a lot more, uh, yes. I am a huge fan of the Giuliano C. It's great. Yeah. It's just it's a beautiful machine. Uh, I have tormented so many people with it. The Giuliano period, just a beautiful mech. I also have a a love of it. But the C, it's just so much fun with the three clan medium pulses, the three clan ER larges, four streak sixes, especially because I've one of our local guys, he uh, he did some horrific things to me with a list of two full. uh, No, not wasn't two full stars. It was nearly a cluster of elementals or a binary of elementals, at least that he just dropped on me in a game. And I was like, (laughs) what is this? Like just watching my assault mechs get ripped limb from limb by a yeah. horde of elementals. And the next game we played, I'm just sitting there like he smiling at him across the board. And I brought a Giuliano C. He brought a like a clan star and his Nova came around the corner on the Giuliano. And he's like, oh, it's just a it's just an inner sphere mech. And I just was like, ha ha. <laughs> it's like the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like red button, and he's like, "Wait, what?" And I'm like, "Yep, it's a three-four pilot roll." I'm like, "Oh, all four streak sixes hit, sweet pulse lasers hit, oh sweet." And he's like, "Wait, those are streak sixes?" I'm like, "Yep," and I just go grab, <laughs> walk around the uh, the table, grabbing all of the um, all the missile boxes, and I just roll and just start shaking them all at once. So it's a ton of dice just shaking, and I throw it down on the table, and then I just start reading, and you just see the look of. <laughs> the look on that face was just priceless and I looked and I'm just smiling the entire time and I finally looked at him I was like this is revenge for what happened last time <laughs> this is for the elementals yeah my Giuliano fi- uh, 5C just went on a rampage just like deleting mech's armor and just being like no you don't you don't get to have that anymore 
there's nothing quite as nice as watching somebody have to sharpen their pencil in between filling in damage bubbles on their mech sheet. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just you're you're reading off the numbers and you're just looking up at them and just being like, oh no, <laughs> you're like, oh yes. Oh, yes. Right torso again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the more emotional damage you can inflict. Yeah, the sweeter the role. You know, you're yeah. It's it's not even it's not about winning or losing. It's about sending a message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's between currently it's between that the Iris. I have been just loving that thing. I'm usually more of an assault mech oriented player, but I have been loving the Iris just because of being able to jump around with a heavy PPC and just toss that at people. Oh, dude, that mech is cool. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, I like that one. I, I've been having a lot of fun using that one. And then um, I know this is, I know you said favorite mech, but I've got three. And then I'm I'm a huge <laughs> Marauder Marauder 2, uh, 2 fan. Like, not not the 2C. Not the 2C. The, the, the Marauder the 2. 2. Um, I've liked, I really love the, uh, I think it's the 10D. Um, the new the Davian. The 10D, yeah. The new Davian model. 10D. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a contendy. <laughs> but I've been having fun uh, playing playing with that one as well. I think the Marauder Two is one of the coolest looking. I like how it has the little, like the little wings, you know, or whatever, the little yeah. stabilizers or what have. I th- yeah, <laughs> I think it's really cool. Oh yeah, no, it is the Tendy. Okay, I was thinking of something else, or not thinking of something else. I was thinking of uh, I was trying not to confuse it with the Marauder Eleven D, uh, which is another rec guide variant, but Federated the Ten is. Yeah, Federated Tendies. Uh, can you imagine the, if Can you imagine if he confused the Marauder Davian Ten D with the with the Marauder Eleven? He confused his Davian Marauder. I mean, it's, it's a Davian. There's worse problems to have. It's a Davian heavy mech, a Davian assault Marauder. It's it's all a Marauder at the end of the day for me. No, but the ten, it's all coming up Marauders. The Ten D. Uh, I have. It's two clan ER PPCs, uh, two medium X pulse lasers, and then a large re engineered laser, and then four jump jets. And it actually, that's a great Marauder, too. Yeah. And then it moves 64 kph. So it's, it's actually pretty fast. Okay. With 20 double heat sinks. So, and it carries max armor. So it's, it's an absolute just like tank. And it's just so much fun to, to bring against people because they'll just start hitting it. And then you're like, all right, cool. Shoot that. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with you shooting him. Like just go go right on ahead. My other guys are gonna go kill you now. So, <laughs> so that's Derek. Uh, what about you, Chandler? Same question. Favorite unit overall? If you had asked me that, this when I first started BattleTech, it would have been the Hunchback, hands down. Oh, there would have been no contest. But nowadays, I've become a really big sucker for the really early Omni mechs. Like the the Lupus is a really big one. Uh, if we go off of number of mechs owned of a certain me- of a of a one mech, the Lupus is probably the one I own the most of. The lupus. Yes. This is not. <laughs> Aaron's going to have to edit out all of the uh, the keyboard. The, the rapid keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> like, happens every time. Don't worry. <laughs> um, the night channer is also another big one. Oh, you're 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 hurting people. Yeah. <laughs> poor poor Charles Gideon's over there. Like yeah. he he just sat up in bed. Like someone mentioned the night channer. He's just screaming. <laughs> someone someone mentioned it. <laughs> And then also the Spirit Walker, which is a uh, uh, so the Night Channer is a early Omni Mech. Essentially, it's an Omni Mech refit of the Crab that uses like a stopgap measure by the Coyotes. And then the Spirit Walker is a stopgap refit of the Black Knight as a Omni Mech. And so it's really it's really interesting seeing how they solved the problem of 
Hey, we introduced the Omnimech. <laughs> oh God, we don't have enough Omnimechs. <laughs> and so they solved it by making more the by like part. bootlegging them. There's another mech that's like an Omni Crab that has a different name, isn't it? Or um, don't ask me. I feel like I... <laughs> if I had to take two stabs at what you're thinking of, it's the Battle Cobra or the Ryukin. Oh, maybe they're they're crabish looking. Yeah, they're crabish and the, they have similar. The the Stormcrow is crabish. That's true. It's crabish. I did really enjoy the episode <laughs> on the crab. I specifically remember that one and thinking this is this is a fun little. <laughs> I learned a lot about the crab. I, I remember I I learned about the storage compartment. I remember thinking, oh man, you can put some stuff in there, you know, some sandwiches and whatnot. <laughs> How cool is that? It's got a little storage. It's got a little, it's meant to be out there for a long time, right? Energy weapons. Yeah. yeah you can just hang out in your crab. How cool is that? I didn't know you better, Kanan. I feel like this is a lot of innuendos. No, it's a good little hangout neck. It is. It is. <laughs> it's got a winch, a little, little cargo compartment. Yeah. <laughs> they sold me on it that's what i mean I, I like i listened to that episode and at the end of it i was like oh the crab's pretty cool yeah the crab is definitely one of those mechs that i think everyone has a soft spot for i don't think i've ever ran into someone who's like yeah the crab screw that mech i don't like the crab and it's like i don't, I don't think i've ever ran into anyone who said that about it yeah i agree i think most people i've run into are like yeah it's a solid little it's, it's a solid little dude it's just it's a little guy it's a little it's guy a little he's guy. just doing yeah. little dude things yeah. <laughs> you know i really like uh what those guys up at sanhoa are uh, kicking out these days uh, uh yes independent sanhoa yeah they, they know what they're on about i've been enjoying their work lately i i think they're on to something they made the good the good uh choice of leaving the lions yeah that is <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, they're no. not the only ones <laughs> actually Sad balkanization noises. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, how many coyotes do you have, Chandler? Uh, one. You're talking early on, Mimex, and you only have. I, one ironically, coyote. I think the coyotes <laughs> almost be like, too clean. Like it's like it's the perfect it's the perfect intro, introduction Omnimech. Like they didn't go like, hmm, this is a new prototype mech for this new kind of design. Let's not go all out. They just went all out originally, and it's like hard to top it. You, so you want a little grit in your mech, is what you're saying. Yeah. I like it. And especially looking at, like, the, the talk about the lupus. Like, the lupus is pretty clean, all things considering. But if you look at it and then look at the mechs that ended up replacing it, which one of the big ones is the Mad Dog, you can see how clan society evolved from being, like, durability and reliability to high damage, high kill speed for duels. Yeah. Whereas the lupus is like, yeah, you can take this thing on campaign and it'll keep ticking the entire time. And then the vulture's like, must kill fast as possible or I break. <laughs> yeah, not, do not put me in mud, please. <laughs> oh, Joanne. <laughs> so zooming out now. So, you know, I really want to pick your brain. Like, what are your favorite factions in Battletech and why? You A classic. Do we even have to ask Derek this question? I mean, it's, it's a far more nuanced answer. <laughs> there might be nuanced reasons, but we all know the answer. Listen, I, uh, I'm asking this question, you know, for a setup for later for Derek. But yeah, it, <laughs> if anyone knows Derek at all. That's a trap. That's, he just said I'm setting up a trap. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to walk into uh, it now. I'm just going to be like, ah. 
I mean, is that. it a trap if it's in the notes? <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> I know you're playing me. Right. <laughs> I see through the lies of the Jedi, but I, I, I don't really care. <laughs> it was Brent who fed them the info. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a pretty solid Free Worlds League fan, I, especially and kind of ironically post Jihad. I think that's when they really came into their own as a faction was the Jihad and after. But that's also mainly when the fa- the fiction actually started looking at them. Dude, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Is they are they are they mostly absent. They <laughs> like, oh yeah, these guys are over there on our podcast. We've already really covered the biggest highlight they get from just the novels very early on, which is obviously the Price of Glory. Yeah, where they're kind of sort of the bad guys. Yeah, I mean they get a mention at the wedding. Yeah, sure. that's true. No, they come up a bit in the, uh, the <laughs> Civil War storyline. He's right, though. I really I didn't know much about the Free Worlds League until I kind of started reading through all more of the Dark Age up into the late Dark Age stuff. And you're like, oh, this is all about the Free Worlds League. There's a lot of really cool stuff. They are cool, especially in that era. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. You're, the last four novels of the Dark Age is basically all Free yeah. Worlds League. Oriented. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's cool. Yeah. And I mean, I'd, I'd argue that those last four novels are some of the best battle yep. tech novels. Period. And then some of the best ones actually going, yeah, Battletech's a neo-feudalistic society. Here's some actual neo-feudalism for you, sir. <laughs> Essentially, here's your Crusader Kings in space. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, Buena Collective get dunked on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then also uh, Ideal War actually does a lot in that direction, even though a lot of people and, he, and even I like it's very heavy handed Vietnam in space. Yeah. But when it's not being Vietnam in space, it's being feudalism in space. And that's the great parts of that book. I feel like Knights of the Spear doesn't make any sense to come from the Free Worlds League. I feel like they'd be more. There's a, I've read comments. <laughs> <laughs> the the Knights, Knights of the Sphere are definitely, a, uh, uh, definitely oh, an interesting. Those poor, those poor, poor people. They tried so hard. <laughs> and they didn't get so far. What is it specifically? that drew you to uh the old purple bird so when i first got into battletech i was actually a really big republic fan i really loved the republic <laughs> of the sphere and i've kind of come back around on them a little bit uh, especially since a lot of the current battletech events have been later era and so i've been like oh might as well pull out the republic you know let's <laughs> you know for devil and stone kind of thing especially you know with them dying it feels like appropriate for some reason to play them more Totally. <laughs> I'm with you. I like the Republic. I catch myself thinking things like, oh, I kind of like the Republic, you know? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But when I got into Battletech, I, I started really getting the Battletech in 2020. And even even then, the writing was very much on the wall for them. Like, it was like, they're, they're going to die. It, it's like watching a car crash in very slow motion at that point. <laughs> like, it, it, this faction is going to die. It's just a matter of how and when. A sinking stone, if you will. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to tie myself to them. Ghost Knights, dude. And so I kind of started going around and I kind of fell in love with the Free Worlds League and how it's a lot of smaller states in a trench coat pretending to be a larger (laughs) state with a federal government going, no, we are a larger state. Stop doing that. I will turn this car around. (laughs) I really liked that. Even though it's yeah, yeah, federal government, it's some of the most neo-feudalistic shenanigans you'll see because you have the local governments fighting with the, the 
province governments, which are then fighting with the local governments and the federal government. And everyone's trying to, you know, use what little leverage they have on everyone else. And while you'll see that in the other factions, I don't think it's as apparent as with the Free Worlds League. I agree. I'm really excited to see where things go after Empire Alone. There's some interesting stuff in there. Yeah, the the Clan Protector. I feel I feel really bad if they do decide to do something stupid because, well, the first Free World Guards are on Merrick, and they might may or may not. <laughs> I say may or may not. They have a full company of Ares Super Heavies to inform them that they don't have a choice. They are part of the Free World League at this point. Yeah, we <laughs> your art, your articles of succession are cute, but we revoke them and we refuse yes. to recognize it. And we are going to demolish this place now. I too, it will be sad if they decide to do something, but only because I'm a big Nova cat fan. So yeah. And, and then it's also see. just another layer of tragedy for the Nova cats. Like, yes, do another, really need that? Do they another really need another nail in the coffin? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of their like existence. It's just, it's their stick. Like, yeah, their you got to give them a little bit of time to get more than like three people before you give them another tragedy. We were born to suffer. Things start to look up and nope. No, no, nope. they aren't. <laughs> Why is that a nuke heading right towards us? I mean, I, I feel like the Nova Cats can best be summarized with, and then it got worse. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are the lamenters of the, yeah. uh, yeah. the Battletech universe for you 40k people out there listening. <laughs> and then it got worse. So, same question for you, Derek. Like I said, we kind of already know. So... Yes, but I'm going to start off with something that's going to throw you off a little bit. Oh, okay. Similar to Chandler, I have become a very large fan of the Purple Bird. I actually have their faction dice, which I picked up at Gen Con. Similar reasoning, coming into Battletech at about 2019, I had never played the game. I mainly just knew it through video games and a little bit of reading the books. So, you know, my first experience with Battletech, of course, was MechWarrior 4 Mercenaries, which I gained a love for the sword and the sun but then coming <laughs> coming later ended up coming in and i know having a couple of conversations with some of the guys on the wolf Knight discord they're like yeah we get it you love you love this one faction which i will mention here but i'm not giving you the satisfaction just yet <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh kaji chandler but oh, he yeah. was like hey take a look at these other factions like see if what you like and i mean Became a fairly, you know, fairly large Ghost Bear fan. I've got a cluster of them right behind me right now, which I just, I love the elements of them as a clan. But also the the Purple Bird, uh, getting to read the the last four Dark Age novels when they came out last, uh, in 2022, uh, getting to sit down and read those and go through them. Like, I really loved you know, To Ride the Chimera and then um, Pandora's Gambit. Gambit. Yeah. And then uh, going in and reading um, Hunting Season. Uh, yeah. I'm really, really looking forward to this sequel that's supposed to yeah. have come out back in December. But yeah, so hopefully any day now it'll just pop up on Amazon and I'll buy it and then read it probably same day. Yeah, but <laughs> I've become a, a big fan of them. Um, I have an Orloff Grenadiers force that I painted up. Uh, I, I like the provincial regiments. The federal are cool, but I am much like Chandler. I prefer like the fact that each of the provinces has their own kind of flavor to them. Like you have the Regulins, you have um, the Duchy of Orloff, you have um, the Merrick Stewart Commonwealth. Who else am I forgetting? Oh, who uh, are like the um, Tamron Abbey? Yeah, yep. Tamron Abbey. And Tra- in Empire Tam- Alone, they I know like they talk a lot about the resurgent like Silverhawks coalition, like the yep. Griffins and stuff. Who are those? Uh, those guys are cool. Uh, so the Silverhawks are essentially a. They're actually around during the 
uh, time period of the GDL because the Silverhawk yeah. Coal, because Helm is yeah. in the Silverhawk Coalition. That's right. So they're one of the provinces. Then you have, it's not the Outworlds. I forget what. Uh, Rimworld's Commonality. Yeah, Rimworld's Commonality, which is a lot of the old independent worlds that weren't part of the main provinces kind of banded together in the wake of the federal government dissolving and them kind of getting left on their own to fend for themselves and looking over and seeing all the pirates and proto-Roman uh, slavers who want to steal everything <laughs> that's not nailed down. Yeah. <laughs> you get to hear uh, plenty about them later, don't you? Yeah, and then, then being like, we need, to, we, we need to get together and not get burned to the ground and treated like, you know... Trash. <laughs> trash. So we're going to form our own nation with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> and this gun I found. And it's going to happen. And then, then, of course, like you get to see it in um, Pandora's Gambit and to ride the chimera where they're actually being treated as a province by the other provinces as they're trying to get the band back together where they're like well now we have to treat you like you're not just a bunch of yeah you're not just a bunch of independent worlds that we can slap around and say you're gonna do what we're told by us the major provinces because you're now a major province and then you know the forcible reintegration of the regulans by force and then you have the duchy of anduin just kind of sitting over there doing whatever it does which yeah, tends to be trying to do Andorian things. Yeah, the Andorians do Andorian <laughs> things, which actually, for whatever reason, seems to be trying to secede from the Free Worlds League. Well, that's a pattern <laughs> all into itself. They're currently independent of Edward. Yeah, they're currently independent, but, but very you know, much so, in the Capellan sphere of influence. Yeah, well, so and, d- and doesn't the leader they they're married to the um yeah to uh, Canopian yeah yeah Canopian yeah yeah uh, Magistrix yep. yeah who's the sister of the celestial wisdom of the Capellan Confederation correct yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of diplomatic mess in that it's yeah awesome. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Currently. yeah it's it's a mess but to make a long story short I I just enjoy it because I enjoyed the fact that the Free Worlds League like the current Free Worlds League in its current iteration is very much a Phoenix reborn from the ashes kind of thing of hey we're getting the band back together. They are a new nation at this point. They are, as much as the great house that rules them calls itself Merrick, they are not Merricks. They are a completely different great house, essentially. Like, they could get away with calling themselves House Hollis, but they don't because the legitimacy of the name. Like Chandler said, you get to see a lot of the the elements of feudalism that seems to have kind of bled out of Battletech over the last 20, 30, well, 20 years or so, like, kind of come back in their full, like, come back full circle. So I've really enjoyed them. And then I'm going to give you what you want, Brent. <laughs> Thank you. I am a huge Fed Sons fan. Having grown oh, up playing say. Mech Warrior. I know. <laughs> having, having grown up playing Mech Warrior 4 Mercenaries, uh, getting to play that, getting to play the Davian missions. I was a huge uh, fan of the Templar because it was one of my favorite mechs to run in that game. Cool mech. Oh, yeah. yeah. And especially some of the customs that my cousin and I were able to create using... <laughs> Using the game, so in tabletop, what's your, there's multiple variants of the Templar. What's what's your uh, what's your favorite of them? I do like the Templar three. Uh, I think it's a little bit better on the battle armor kind of delivery assault portion. The original Templar definitely fills the role of fire support. Uh, I like the Rack Five Templar. I think it's the oh yeah, B. It might be the B or the C, which is a lot of fun to play, uh, especially in HPS BattleTech. I, I love to get my hands on on that in the uh, 3062 mod. 
I may or may not have had an almost entire lance of them rolling around, which was a lot of fun because I had one just a ballistic, just an absolute ballistic monster. And then another one just be like all expulses and just running around, just <laughs> annihilating things. Um, and then another cool. is a goth sniper. So I was having a lot of fun with that. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge Davian fan just due to partially nostalgia, but I've also loved like through the novels again, because they, they are essentially the main character through the bulk of the eras. But I do think they have some some really cool storylines like Civil War is a lot of fun to read through, getting to see kind of the rebirth of the Davian identity from um, Fedcom, yeah. yeah, from the splintering of the Fedcom. Spurs. And then of course reading the Warrior trilogy, which might as well be called the uh the Davian trilogy. It might as well be called the Davian <laughs> trilogy. But I mean I, I had a lot of fun in that because it, it introduced us to some of my my absolute favorite characters, which is, you know, Hans Davian. And then uh, Michael, or not Michael, um, uh, Morgan, Morgan, yeah, Morgan Hasek. Morgan, oh, he man, was. Morgan. Yeah, I got bad news for the Michael fans out there. Oh yeah, no, I <laughs> one out for the homie. Well, I have no no qualms with him getting uh, what happens to him. I just I just smiled when that happened in the novel. <laughs> so did we. <laughs> I I know. I, I think everyone does. Let's be real here. Here he's a bit of an asshole, so it doesn't really hurt anybody's feelings. But I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed kind of the they have somewhat of a similar vibe to especially as you get through the later eras with the different dukes or the march lords kind of being like you know the first prince is the federal government but do i really need to listen to you like no. do i really like because i'm i'm essentially the commanding officer of all troops in my march so thanks for all these davian brigade of guards units you just gave me because we're gonna go invade this place and they're like wait what yeah. no, no you can't so, do that like, that's, that's actually my question are you more of a draconis march guy or are you more of a capellan march guy i am actually a uh, crucius march man oh. myself oh. i uh, i subscribe to the uh to the to the first prince mainly mainly because of so like the warrior trilogy definitely made me not like um new Cyrix and not want to uh care about them at all i owe no loyalty to that uh to that place and then of course reading like especially once you get into like the jihad era with like operation sovereign justice oh man even during the uh during the beginning of the civil war where the draconis march just decides oh by the way the, the nation is literally falling apart so let's go invade the draconis combine and like go <laughs> poke that you know go poke the dragon because it's a smart idea because they they annoyed us it's like what? No, yeah. why? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm gonna go shoot them. Yeah, and what? it's what? like, yeah, the sound of a wild at that time. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Just getting to kind of see how the March Lords act through some of the series, I'm kind of like, it's it's very much that uh that they're the most destructive elements in the Fed Sons. They kind of hold it back because they oh. do stupid things. Who's that one guy? Dancred? Is that right? Tancred. Yeah, Tancred. 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 I like you know that guy's chill. I remember, oh no, he's remember, he's cool. I remember thinking, yeah, I remember thinking, I like this guy. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. Um, he's one of my favorite, like non mainline Davian, like Crucius yeah. March, you know, main yeah. federal government guys, along with Morgan, because they're both just like the marches are a part of a greater whole. So we need to not, you know, go do our own thing because our own thing is only going to screw us over in the end. Then you get his son who doesn't do that and yes. makes things worse. Anyway. <laughs> yeah 
and and how da- uh, how Derek is with Davi and I I am with the the Free Worlds League. I'm very much a federal <laughs> federal Free Worlds League guy. Like I appreciate I appreciate the provinces. They they are unique, and I do not think that uniqueness should be trampled upon. But also like which, get in line, which is really Stop doing random purple birds strung together kind purple of purple birds strung together it's it's <laughs> the, it, bird, apes strung together purple birds which strong. is which is really funny because i am you know a duchy of orient oriente kind of yeah. uh, kind of guy in the on the free world side with the orloffs and i'm just like no we're provincials you you stay out of our business but then you know when it comes to our resident nova cats trying to decide that maybe they're going to leave our uh, our glorious union, then I'm suddenly I'm, everyone's I'm, a federalist. Yes, yeah, suddenly I'm a federalist, and I'm I'm offering my sword to Nicole Merrick and saying I'll sim for you. That's also I was like, oh yeah, but Nicole Merrick, the current like captain general, is the Duchess of Oriente, isn't yep. she? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's accidentally become the very thing he swore to be. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the very thing I swore to, <laughs> swore to fight. But no, I, I, I do like the provincial, like that provincial element in the Free Worlds League. But as a yeah. Federalist Davian kind of fan, I'm like, no, no, I don't like that. <laughs> we need to go slapping March Lords and get them back in line. Yeah. He's a moderate, they say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Derek, you, uh, you actually were the... Uh, were kind of the catalyst for doing this. You really pushed to be specifically on during the Warrior Trilogy. So uh, what is your, and by extension, on the Origins of Battlemech's connection to the Warrior Trilogy? Well, I, I, I'm going to say it's more of a personal thing than, than, <laughs> than, uh, than the podcast. Chandler right. just kind of got pulled along because of my desire. I'm to, along for the ride, yeah. Yeah, he's along for the ride, <laughs> which is kind of how kind of how we operate now that i think yeah. about it you and i just I kind of I, go just, I just let him send it and i just follow yeah he just wants <laughs> to follow me or or we just mutually decide to do something yeah anyway uh <laughs> yeah so the reason i did was well besides calling in a blood debt that uh that brent owed me for shooting me in my <laughs> online uh, and killing me at like a very crucial time in a game where i got annoyed and i was like you owe me now and he was very apologetic it was uh, some mistaken geometries of fire, you know. Yeah. Uh, geometries of fire. <laughs> it, it, nah, he straight blasted him in the back. I was, I was witness. It was a murder. And, and and let's just say I capitalized on his uh his guilt, guilt uh, his guilty conscience for my own benefit. But no, uh, the reason I pushed on it was because this is honestly one of my favorite BattleTech novels, mainly due to the fact that you get to see some of the coolest scenes in setting with the wedding. You know, with the wedding going on, and then of course you having, you know, the drop assaults through uh, Andy Redburn's eyes, where he's literally like, yes. as basically Melissa and Hans are saying, "I do." He, him, and you know the rest of the Davian Light Guards are literally on the doing an assault drop, um, and that's going on on multiple worlds. On top of that, was of course getting to see like the uh, the Atlas for Succession War atlases, those old, uh, really old books. Getting to see those was really cool. And, you know, that's just why I love this, uh, love this book because of just because of that alone. I'm trying to remember, is there no, the, the Northwind part is in the third book. No, it's the Northwind part starts here where they switch allegiances. Okay. Yeah. That's also with uh, Dr. Bonsai and yeah. Yeah. Scott Baker. Yeah. In my view, for the most part, like books two and three are essentially one big book. It's just part one and part two. With, I agree. Like, with the first assessment. book is yeah. essentially 
the you know it, it it's it stands on its own but like the two books covering the four succession war are very much like you know they could easily have been one big book and it could have well, been from what i understand book. stackpole wrote them all at once yep. so it kind of makes sense that they feel that way yeah, yeah. I, I just think that one breaks up a little bit or breaks has more of a clean break away from the other two than uh, two and three do because of what they're covering because they have that, you know, that link of the war. But no, that that scene also I've always that was also one of my favorite scenes is with basically the um, uh, what are yeah. Team Bonsai about to make their last stand, letting yeah, yeah. what's left of the Deneb cavalry and uh, Scott Baker's unit essentially escape and take the wounded with them. And hey, hopefully we get some reinforcements at some point. Like they have to come for us eventually. <laughs> and then you know you get the you get the static on the radio, and you get this guy just basically being like, "What the hell is this? Like what who are you? Like who are these drop ships? Like they're not friendlies. They're not they're not transmitting uh, AFFs, IFFs." Like, who are you? And then it's, you know, you find out that it's essentially... The clarity increases. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just bagpipes playing. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what? <laughs> and they're so confused. And you've got these guys just listening on the radio as the Team Bonsai, like, senior rate, uh, you know, radio operators just yelling at them over the radio. Like, who the hell are you? And they're like, oh, we're the Northwind Highlanders and we're returning home. And you're just like, oh, someone's about to get their ass kicked. <laughs> you're like, you're asked. My boys are saved. It has been activated. Yeah. It is a 10 out of 10 introduction for a unit in one of these novels so far. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a great introduction to the Highlanders where you're just like, this is so cool. In spite wow. of all the cool things that happen in the in the middle book, I think that that moment is my favorite in this book. <laughs> but you're not biased in that in any way. No, not at all. <laughs> Fortunately, I have to enact an interdiction. Earlier, he referred to the character as Scott Baker. However, the character's name is not Scott Baker. Does anyone remember the? It's, uh, no. the, it's the Bradley. Oh, it's, it's Bradley. Scott Bradley. That's my bad. Yep. Yes, went for Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> i'll carry it into the next trivia yeah i make mistakes i'm <laughs> sorry I was, I was we like, all do oh, i know that the thing is it's someone's listening right? i i and, they, and i was like that one's for you i got it. I, I i knew it started with a b and i was just trying to think of it and i'm like i had just looked at something about it earlier i'm like i can't remember so I just know that someone was listening and they went, it's Bradley. And yeah, if it makes you feel any better, I, I didn't notice at all. Uh, yeah. Hey, you guys were just going, I was really, really hoping the first time around you guys were going to correct me, but then I'm looking at the, you know, looking at the, the webcams and both Aaron and Brent are kind of just nodding along, nodding and, along. And yep. it's not saying anything. So I'm just like, all right, I'm, I guessed right. Let's keep going. <laughs> you were talking to me that day about your own wedding. I don't know if you want to talk. I like. I don't know if that's too personal. You don't want to talk about that. I no. It's it's perfectly fine. So did I did I say the line when I gave my wife cake? And, and the answer is actually yes. Yes, I did. I quoted it verbatim, and she just looked at me and just shook her head and was just is like, true? "Yeah, no, yeah, it is." <laughs> I, I, I quoted uh, I quoted this and is... I give you that whole I give you the Capella Confederation line oh my <laughs> god that's a great idea <laughs> on the origins <laughs> for you there, but... <laughs> yes yes I have done that so that's beautiful that's just uh, it's it's amazing and then Justin Jiang 
they toasted each other from across the room. <laughs> <laughs> that unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to get something like that. But you know, I, at least I I got the line. So you know, Mike Stackpole, if you're listening, I did the thing. <laughs> I don't know if you went surprised there was any competition, but I think he deserves something. I think we should applaud your wife for letting you get away with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. No, her point of her thought process on it was um was very much just like, you know, this is our day, so we get to do whatever the hell we want. So Heck yeah. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. On top of that, I've been pushing for Battletech names to be for our kids. So. <laughs> I am, I am, I am fighting a war to get to have one of my sons named Bjorn, <laughs> and or some of the Federated Sons uh, Prince names. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. A young Julian in the future, maybe? Uh, no, that one got shot down very quickly. But, um, <laughs> but let's just say naming naming a son after uh, Patrick and Morgan Kell might actually be in the uh, in the cards. <laughs> so we'll see. Heck yeah! You just have to hit her with the like. What do you think of the name first? And then we... <laughs> oh no, no, I already I, I, I came. I, this conversation's already happened. Uh, yeah, these conversations have already happened, Aaron. They've already happened. Nice. What do you think? It's like. What do you think about Arden? Yeah. Oh, don't get don't get me wrong. I tried to convince her on Bjorn Jorgensen Noel, and that was just not not in the cards. But you know, I was able to. Yeah, that one's a bit hard. I was able to sell some other stuff. So, Chandler, which quote from the Warrior trilogy did you say at your wedding? <laughs> oh, I'm not married, so I'm sorry. Oh. Well, then, which one are you planning? <laughs> I'm planning to be uh, Maximilian Leal. Give me all the plates. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just wear a tinfoil hat. <laughs> I'd pay money to see it. <laughs> so clearly, Derek, a uh, devout public Davion loyalist, right? Loyalist in the truest sense. You know, you heard it. He's a uh, specifically Crucis March enjoyer, which begs me to ask the question. Do you think Hans was justified in starting the Fourth Succession War? And if so, why? Well, if Brent, so, <laughs> I have this answer well prepared because I knew this question was coming because it wasn't like I got the show notes in advance. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he's got a custom built soapbox ready to deploy. Yeah. Let me let me put down my box. I'm ready. You know, do some stretches. All right, we're good to go. So to answer your your initial question, was he justified? I mean, he's justified in the sense of the universe. Because if Yanos <laughs> Well, think about it. If Yanos Merrick had been in the same position as Hans with a highly capable military and the ability to, you know, say he was unifying with the Fed sons, you know, mar marrying sister off to Hans or whatever that would have unified the state. They would have done the exact same thing or, you know, insert whoever here. Interesting. Like Theodore Karita or not Theodore Karita, Takashi Karita would have done the probably done the exact same thing if he was marrying, you know, Theodore to one of the Liao daughters or heirs. I should say. Isis Merrick. Yeah. Well, no, Isis was too young. She wasn't even born yet. Well, yeah, but like planned marriage. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. But like if they were doing something similar, they would have done it in a heartbeat. So I am and that's very much in you know, in canon with the universe, with the succession wars, where nope, everybody was trying to hunt for an advantage, and Hans just happened to have an advantage and and played his cards right and won big. So we're chill with the invasion. It's chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and then with the invasion itself, well, I mean, he was unifying his realm with that of the Lyran Commonwealth, 
And if you look at the maps just before the four succession war, there really isn't a, you know, direct jump connection for jump ships into into both realms without having to go through like Terra essentially or a, you know, Man, essentially a hostile that's a state. Point. That's a good point. All, yeah, yeah. Good and point. imagine there was kind of a kind of a middle ground that was also kind of like an industrial powerhouse economically. That yeah. could be and a oh, hold on. Now wait a minute. <laughs> I'm coming around on this. <laughs> so your justification is that uh, if anyone else had been in the position, they would have done it as well. Well, that's, just wanna... that's justification <laughs> point one. Point two oh. is, is the fact that like you know, his two, essentially what is now a unified realm wasn't connected. And the only way to do that was you're going to have to invade somebody to open up a corridor, which you'll see, which you see referenced in the later novels is, or even, no, they even say it in the warrior trilogy, calling it the Terran corridor. That's essentially what they're trying to do. And then on top of that, I mean, he's essentially also securing one of the borders of the Federated Sons by blitzkrieging into Capellan space and seizing what amounts to their largest industrial complex with Tikhonov being taken and by the entirety of the Crucius Brigade and then the rest of those worlds falling in the uh, subsequent waves that he basically ends up opening that path to the Lyran Commonwealth. And then going even further from that, if you look at how things shook out for the inner sphere for about the next 20 years, the only real major conflict that occurs besides, you know, the, I mean, if you want to call the Ronin war a major conflict, kind of could be, I guess, but you have essentially the war of 30, the abortive war of 39, which is only about seven or eight months of conflict. But other than that, from 30, not from, you know, for about a 10 year period from the end of the war of 39 to the clan invasion, they were essentially at peace in the inner sphere. The biggest things you had was maybe popping over the border to say hi to your neighbors to make sure, hey, we're still here and you're still here. Okay, cool. We're good. But like if you reading the beginning of Blood of Kerensky, they literally talk about how both um, Theodore and Hans essentially are going to post their sons off along the Russell Hogg uh, periphery borders and just be like, Essentially, it's the uh, unwritten peace agreement between the two that, hey, we're done until they decide to start throwing hands like you and I are not going to do this again. Like we're at we're at peace. Like we'll we'll yeah. raid. We'll do our we'll yeah. do our, you know, our slap fights and whatnot. But like we're not going to, you know, throw RCTs at each other and <laughs> smash each other senselessly yeah. like we, we are. We're, at peace. we're both too old and yeah. have done too much to be throwing these kind of hams at this point in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> if you essentially look at it, if the clans hadn't invaded, there would have been about a generation or two of peace in the inner sphere before, you know, Victor and Hohiro decide to start throwing hands. If they did. If which, they did. You know, yeah. Which we don't know if they would have. I mean, Victor might have looked elsewhere and left the Draconis Combine yeah. alone or... And it's also entirely possible that his relationship with uh, Omi develops Omi. in relatively the same way. Yeah, right. depending. You never know. So are you saying that uh, that maybe if the clans hadn't like intervened, if uh, per se, that uh, maybe there would have even been peace in the inner sphere with kind of the consolidation of potentially the uh, House Karita? I'm not so confident that, you know, the Omni Karita element would have happened. What I think would have happened, though, for the Fed Sons is you would have had or the FedCom is with them there. They kind of add a status, you know, a status quo to the to the universe that kind of makes it where if we're going to start throwing hands at each other, it's not going to be a fun experience for anybody. And then, of course, you know, the Capellan Confederation is essentially crippled. It's 
I mean, it's it's functioning, but like not very well, not very well. <laughs> and then I, I highly doubt you would have had some of the events that led to, you know, Sun Tzu ending up in charge as soon as he did, because other events wouldn't have occurred that caused somebody to yes. go psychotic. Yeah. Like chain of events would have probably been very different. And I think, at, again, this is speculative. I think what would have ended up happening is you would have had at least a generation of peace, maybe more, depending. But, you know, eventually somebody's going to throw hands because it is battle tech. <laughs> and that's kind of the natural state of things. Someone's <laughs> throwing hands against somebody. But at the end of the day, I think where we're at in 3049, I think justifies what he did in, in the late 3030s with launching the Fourth Succession War, where it did create essentially a balance I don't know if I can agree with the ends justified the means, but I do think you bring up some interesting points, and that's really why I asked the question. I wasn't really trying to, uh, <laughs> you know, get one in on you. <laughs> oh no, I know. I, I, well, I I'm, I'm fully aware. And while we're in this atmosphere of the what ifs, when we talk about Hans starting the Fourth Succession War, the what if I'd like to ask is if he didn't, how would that impact the clan invasion? What what can uh, we theorize ooh. on that? Well, I think if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't have seen the bulk of the FedCom military be able to move to the border because, again, you would have yeah. had to have left a lot of FedCom troops, or at least the Fed Sons half. A lot of them would have still had to be garrisoning posts along the along the Capellan border just in case House Liao decides to take advantage of of this invasion. I think you still would have seen kind of the detente that occurred between. Uh, Hans Davian and um, and Theodore Carita, where hey, we're not going to invade you because you've got some, you've got serious problems, and I got serious problems. Like we're we're cool, kind of thing for now. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think the response actually would have been essentially crippled because again, I can't ungarrison the Capellan march as much as probably <laughs> you could have in thirty fifty because the Capellan Confederation Armed Forces is essentially a wreck. Uh, at that point, it's it's functional because it can defend the state, but it can't do much more than that. Whereas if he hadn't invaded in with Operation Rat, you would have had a fully functional Capellan military sitting on my border. And I can't I can't spare troops to go fight a war in the Lyran Commonwealth when I'm looking at my, you know, one of my major borders, one of my two major borders is essentially threatened. Like, right. That's not going to not yeah. going to work. If the Confederation got to keep Tykenov, they would have had more money and that would have changed the timeline yeah they would have been a yeah. far more capable military which yeah is is problematic especially with uh seeing the renaissance era stuff coming in like they would have been a lot more capable i mean they were already designing some pretty some pretty interesting mechs with like the raven yeah i was literally about to say they could have made so many ravens dude I mean, and the cataphract. I mean, not just ravens. Yeah, they just kind of pluck the entire cataphract production yeah. line and deposit it within their pocket. And then a Caesar was born. I bet you we would have seen <laughs> some more ECM slash stealth variants a lot earlier because they would have had the ability to do it. Can you imagine? God, <laughs> I wish that were me. You know. <laughs> well, and do you also I, uh... think that the Fourth Succession War then becomes this catalyst to develop and harness the Hell Memory Core developments into more of an urgent sense of developing new mech technology? Yes, I, I think... I think because it, it, I mean, with warfare, as we've seen throughout our own history with, you know, World War II to now, we've, the first computers are essentially used to bomb Germany in more or less of a sense. Like that's where a lot of computer development began was there. And then it Old just got turning. pushed forward. Yeah. 
I, I think the four succession war in general did push the design variants, uh, especially pushing, hey, we need to get this stuff pushed out, get it using it and start upgrading our equipment, uh, which you do see with like the later designs, like the Devastator coming back into into play, things like the Caesar and a lot of the other mechs that come along during that Renaissance era where you get to see a lot of redesigns, new designs, because, well, now I have the capability to do it and uh, I can because, you know, I own Tikhanov and you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and my border and my borders are secure at this point. So I can do this right. stuff. I can build these things. I can do these, you know, the Axman projects and all of these things because I don't have to worry about somebody coming in and trying to attack my major industry. Yeah. Because, you know, Cahill is now secure. The foreign policy is now you can't stop me. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you see you see that going to overdrive, at least in the FedCom, and then in the other states, it's well, they're doing it and we need to do it too because Yeah, we need to catch up. We need to catch up. Like they're not doing it jointly like the FedCom is. They kind of try there for a second. <laughs> yeah, the Capitano uh, Accords kind well, of. Well, yeah, but kind that, of. that kind of falls apart. <laughs> yeah, you that know, falls after apart the, as soon as it's After the succession wars. And then. Failure at launch. Yeah, it's essentially failure <laughs> at launch, but you're seeing like the Free World League, the Combine. I mean, the Combine got help from shadowy benefactors <laughs> or shadowy sponsors, I should say, uh, that happened to rule <laughs> Terra at this point in time and happened to have a secret <laughs> army. But like you kind of get to see that where, you know, especially like Comstar pushes it with the Draconis Combine. Right. Because they want to have somebody on parity to balance things out because they can't have someone getting out of hand and trying to maintain that balance. So you you definitely get to see that too with the weapons development just gets pushed ahead, which I also think helps when the clan invasion rolls in and we're not using succession wars, not completely using succession wars tech. We've got, you know, re Renaissance tech starting to appear and being used, which kind of helps close the gap a little bit against the clans and then of yeah. course you get all the refit packages coming out of the free worlds league in uh in the later half of the clan invasion where essentially yeah the captain general is like hey you do this i just i'm gonna put my entire industrial base into refitting the militaries of the fedcom and uh the, and the combine. combine yeah and we're all working together with one massive industrial base which has basically been pushed forward to build essentially star league tech because well we were in an arms race so now we have the ability to do it yeah and <laughs> right. now and now we can mass produce it so uh let's go ham also someone's son had cancer yeah well uh, you know there were some promises made yeah i i definitely think without the fourth succession war going off you don't ever really get a fully functional fedcom i i, I think it really becomes yeah. much more of a state in name but not a state in being. Yeah. I was going to say no fourth succession war, no civil war. Yeah. Also that. Yeah. Because essentially yeah. you could just be like, yeah, no, we're not the same thing anymore. We're, okay. we're now separate again. And there's no, there's no real economic or physical ties to stop yeah. that. But I also think it means the Lyrans fold like a wet blanket. Like they, there yeah. isn't much to prop them up without having the full fedcom there yeah for the most part a lot of what keeps the clans from going completely buck wild through the Lyran commonwealth is the fact that their military had been bolstered by the you know feds and reorganized and yeah reorganized a lot of training had been brought in by the davians from the how the affs operates a lot of the competence was in, reinstalled and at least in the lower ranks for the most part not necessarily all, always in the higher ranks 
Looking at you, Naughty Steiner. Looking at you. <laughs> you get to get some of the, like, ex- probably some of the best strategists of the era that are, you know, coming out of House Davian and the AFFS are essentially helping command the defense. And then you get some of the premier units as well with the Davian guards. You know, the um, the Eridani light horse. The only reason they're there is because they're a Federated Sons mercenary unit that's gotten folded into the FedCom military. Yeah, I, I definitely think... The Fourth Secession War is such a huge milestone in the de- the redevelopment of the Inner Sphere because you go from essentially the lowest of lows with the Secession Wars, which, yeah, they might be great from a storytelling you know point of view, but from a societal and like military point of view, it's you're you're at the bottom of the freaking bucket. Like there's yeah, you yeah. can't go much yeah. lower and not have the governments falling apart. Yeah, large-scale combat operations are essentially a joke in the Third Succession yeah. War, like a really bad joke. And then we get, you know, the Fourth Succession War where the Davians put the time and effort into rebuilding their military. Yeah, they really start flexing the military muscles again, and people start figuring out. Then they just start dropping 18 RCTs onto Tikhonov and are just like, yeah. hello. <laughs> and the Capellans are just like, what? in god's Man. name is all of this and we're just like what is happening this is like <laughs> a third of the affs is dropping on your front door and by the way we want your mech factories i love that the capital city is tycho grad or like tycho grad <laughs> I, yeah it's, it's so cool there's a whole thing in the book about like the siege of tycho grad and yep oh was that in the game i forget now it's been yeah, a while since it, i played that yeah 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 oh it's in uh the, play that uh the kestrel lancers dlc the kestrel lancers yeah yeah, yep. yeah, we should play that. It, it is a lot of fun. I will say I I enjoyed it immensely because I was like I was like, this is so cool getting to do like the assault on Tikhanov and some of the other Yeah, and like Arden's calling you and like yeah, it's, your orders and stuff. It's yeah, cool it's hanging so with cool. Arden. Arden's calling him like, yeah. Go boy, yeah, I need you to go kill this. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> the other fact is you get to you get to play with another character that plays a big role later on is you have, you know, Jackson Davian with you. Because this is essentially his first field command is during the Fourth Succession War, and he plays a large role in other later events in the FedCom's history and the end of the FedCom's history. Oh, right. Mech, yeah. Shout out to Legend of the Kestrel Lancers, that <laughs> Mech Warrior 5 DLC. Yeah. Right? That's all yeah. Succession Wars. I don't know if, we've, if I've ever mentioned that, that there's also, there's like a Fourth Succession War video game, right? It's that expansion. <laughs> and I don't know, did they cover it in the earlier Mech Warrior games? No. Any, are those? No. That's, All um, of them tend to be later eras, like Clan Invasion. Right, or right. good war. point. Yeah. Or or you have HBS that takes place just kind of on the eve of war uh, in the late 3020s. Yeah. Even essentially, MechWarrior 5 doesn't really cover it. It just, the map changes. Some highlights. Yeah, yeah. You're like, here's some little like news updates. And by the way, the map changes. And oh, this FedCom thing now exists. And you're like, but my rep. But my rep with the Federated <laughs> Sons. <laughs> like, now I have to start grinding again. Like, this sucks. Fedcom grind set, brother. Oh, what happens? Do they do they reset your rep? I forget. Is that... It, um... Well, it used to. So it keeps your rep with the, like, the actual faction. I right. haven't played in a long time, but when I last played, uh, it kept your rep with, like, either the Lyrans or the Fed Sons. But then it treats the FedCom as a completely separate faction. So you had yeah. to restart that. And then I think <laughs> they've updated it since where they treat it like uh, kind of like how they do the periphery factions where it's like you can work for, you know, the Outworlds Alliance, but it's part of the, like a greater umbrella faction. I think that's kind of what they do uh, with umbrella. Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of what they do. So anyway, dude. 
I shoot down so many warrior VTOLs in that game. Like, this will affect the warrior population. Yeah, man. I'm like, why are they fly? I feel like they wouldn't fly at me in a line like that. But all right. oh, I mean, we never said they were well trained. Yeah, Kanan, it's the same thing with like with like the Scorpion light tanks or like the yeah. SRM oh, carriers yeah. and LRM yeah. carriers where you're just yeah. like, how many of these people have I killed? How yeah. many people have literally died at my hands? Like I yeah. have affected this entire world population. Yeah, I'm like, I have had to have devastated so world many populations lost. <laughs> well, then nothing really important was lost then. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're secretly the most, like the greatest mech warrior of all time in that game. It's like, how many mechs did you kill? I don't know, like a couple thousand, uh, you know, shot down several thousand warrior VTOLs. It's like the greatest mech warrior ever. I don't know. You never once get to DFA a Goliath. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but at the same time, you're also probably the greatest mass murderer in like known yeah. history at that point. Yeah. Like, some of you take missions. And oh, like, we got some rebels. They're trying to protect their families. You know, go exterminate yeah. them. And you're like, all right. And then you just like, and then you go place. destroy the city. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just oh, yeah. Go no. destroy their food supplies, but they cannot. They're like, good work. Here's some money. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of those missions where like we're playing it. Uh, on the Oklahoma Discord server, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, eventually, I started to be like, "Are we the bad guys?" The <laughs> Literally, yeah. just like murdering civilians because yeah. they're like, "Those were the dormitories," and I'm like, "Wait, some what? of those city destruction maps, it's like you've leveled like 99 of the the there's there's like nothing left. They're like, we still need one percent, and it's like yeah, you're you like, haven't stomped grandma's house yet. <laughs> it's yeah. like you've got to destroy God. the foundation yeah. of the buildings." <laughs> You're like, do you, do you want me to sculpt the earth while I'm at it? You yeah, know, like, yeah. Carthage yeah. must be destroyed. Give me some uh, gold salted uh, nuclear rounds. We'll solve this yeah. problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll solve this problem. I mean, you it, you're like, goblin, stop running through the buildings. <laughs> Aaron, you mentioned the Goliath there for a second. And I do want to I do want to ask our uh, on the origins guests. How do you feel about those early quad mechs? Love my Goliath. Love my scorpion. <laughs> Love my Xanthos. Simple as. Xanthos. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting... I'm, I'm, I'm letting Chandler have this one. I've talked for a while. I'll, I'll even go with a further hot take. I prefer the Project Phoenix design for the Goliath over, Whoa. Both, Whoa. over both the original design and the new design. That is and now hot, I care. That is a hot, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say the the new design's bad, but I prefer the Phoenix design. I see. I see. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> he prefers the Project Phoenix Goliath design over the current or the original. It's like yeah, the Goliath C is also a good look. It's essentially just a redraw of the Project Phoenix Goliath. How could you say something so brave yet so controversial? You know? <laughs> One of the Project Phoenix Goliaths sque uh, squeaked in in the er in the first. Yeah, that's the guy. Goliath C. Yeah. Oh, that is oh. the Goliath C. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that made me fall in love with the Project Phoenix design. And then later it shows up, and they have a brand new design. I'm like, well, what was the point of giving me this <laughs> if you're just gonna go away and take it away? So, do you own a uh, like the Iron Wind Goliath? I do have a Goliath C. Okay, yes. heck yeah! <laughs> and I've been figuring out whether I want to buy the old Project Phoenix models and just make them look better, or just buy a bunch of Goliath Cs and just get bash them all into all the different ones. And I think it's just buy a bunch of Goliath Cs and get bash them all. So, at some point, that's going to happen. Why don't you just wait for the plastics? <laughs> I don't think we're getting a Goliath C 
uh, design in plastic. I forgot, Chandler, that you like to have one of each variant where I'm just like, this is a Marauder too. Therefore, it is all of the Marauder 2s, and I am not going to argue with this. I don't like to have one of every variant, except for the Lupus. The Lupus <laughs> is one of those mechs where I have decided I'm going to make one of every variant. Fair. Because, I don't know, reasons. Uh, <laughs> but I just really like the Project Phoenix Goliath. And I like my I like my Xanthos. I like my ATTE, but in Battletech. I do love the, uh, it's very ATTE. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The Xanthos, it's it's super cool. I, I need to get a uh, an Iron Wind Metal Mini. It's a it's a brick. It's a literal brick. With <laughs> That's when I wonder people with it until they stop <laughs> stop attacking you. And you're like, yes, okay, problem. Oh, so like like the old metal box knots from oh, uh, yeah. Warhammer, where you could just beat somebody to death with the yeah. thing. <laughs> this thing has had some crazy designs. Yeah, or at least yeah. Very, this one is cool though. The Project Phoenix one is pretty cool. The yeah. new one kind of merges yeah it merges them the a little bit yeah yeah i i like the i like the art for the c probably the best i mean the new art's cool but the c has just got such cool art yeah yeah like like i said the c is what made me fall in love with the project phoenix design for it i do have a soft spot for the unseen goliath i'm a yeah it, it it's kind of it's it's derpy in its own way and you can't help yeah. smile at it <laughs> it does not look its tonnage it's like watching a kid try it's their hardest at something you're just like ah. Bless you. <laughs> it's, it's an on the fridge picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is going on the fridge. This is pretty good. <laughs> oh, I see the the Goliath C. So they took the design from that from the Phoenix. Yeah. F- to inform the current official Goliath C. I understand now. This is interesting. So that is not the current one, Kanan. It like squeaked in before they did the redesign on the goliath well, now they ended up doing a full redesign of the phoenix for the goliath sea because that's brand new art for the goliath sea like they didn't just take old art and like yeah the one from rg yeah the one from wreck guide ill clan yeah, right right and now there is a new goliath yeah exactly i'm here for it strap more legs give me a six leg mech four <laughs> legs makes sense though i i what about three legs <laughs> three legs then you're in super heavy territory uh, there's one skillion the Treskelion? It's there's yeah, that's not that's not that's, real. Yeah, the Treskelion is real. I'm I'm yeah. looking at it on Sarna right now. I don't yeah. like that. Literally looking out his window <laughs> at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Seventy five tonner. It's actually in the room with him. <laughs> if the Treskelion's cool, got... in the room with you, please blink. To <laughs> what do you pilot? The Treskelion? <laughs> well, it's you. You and your buddy pilot the Treskelion. It's a multi god. Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. It does seem like they like were like, what if we made the uh, Mad Dog a little worse by giving it a third leg? But it also has a minus one to hit natively. That's true. And uh, and the three legs are just cool. So, you yeah. know, it's... Uh, you don't have to turn. You just rotate. <laughs> you just rotate. <laughs> yeah, it has a pretty nasty armament, too, with the four yeah, clan ER medium lasers and then the yeah. clan LR, two clan LRM-15s. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I wouldn't want to turn and see it like yeah. <laughs> surprise. But yeah, I really like the early quad mechs. I think they just never really got the support that they uh, probably yeah. deserved, and I think the rules have kind of failed them a little bit. Just purely mechanically, quad mechs are right. not good because they have so few slots compared to regular mechs. And so once you get into like Endo and Pharaoh, like they kind of it's it's harder to get them to perform as well. Yeah, because you're uh, you're eating up a limited amount of room with very space hungry tech. Yep. 
Like quad mechs lose all those arm slots that bipedal mechs have, but you also n- don't get them back anywhere. So you're just out like eight slots. It's a it's a rough ticket. Yeah, but you do get that minus one, and uh, it is hard to knock them over. Yeah, you you, you do get some bonuses. Like it's and it's not all not all of it's negative, but right. some of the basic rules really hurt them, and it would be very easy to fix. You know what else really hurts them? A flock of Jenners. That's it. Flocks of Jenners hurt everything. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's not a lot that's going to have a good time there. Straight up not having a good time, yo. Uh, you'll take down a Goliath with this one neat trick. <laughs> <laughs> Let me crash my Valkyrie into the top of it. Yeah. Quad makes pilot hate them. Yeah. <laughs> so, with being part of the Battletech content creator community, what do you see as the future growth of the community. How do you see that going forward? Specifically, what do you want to see, right? What's the direction you want to see Battletech go? I would really like to see uh, something along the lines of like what Warhammer community has done for Games Workshop for Battletech, where we get, you know, more news content drip. I think um, right now, even though, you know, Battletech is high popularity, I don't feel like we get enough news content kind of stuff to just keep it going. Just even... Even a like a nice like light blog of like, hey, this is what we're doing at Catalyst this week. Like, cool, sweet, that's awesome. It's just very much just like random posts of like, here's an unboxing video. Like, oh, yeah. oh cool, like sweet. But like, you, there's just not that like level of consistency, which I'd really like to see. I mean, like, you look at the Facebook page, and it's for a while it was literally just reposting the same things over and over again, advertising like a couple of different things that you know, have been out for months. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of what I'd like to see is just kind of that more forward thinking, like content drip to keep people engaged. Because I know from where I'm sitting right now, kind of bored. I'm kind of waiting for new stuff. I'm like, merch Kickstarter is coming eventually. But like, other than that, I don't really feel much excitement for anything other than that. Like if there was a little bit more, Hey, this is what we got going on a little bit more of that content trip where I could be excited about some news that it's like, Oh, cool. They're like this far along in this project. That's awesome. Like this is a little bit of like that I think would be really good for the community just to give us, you know, things to be excited about on top of that, just more stuff coming out. I really want more stuff. More stuff. <laughs> that's that's just yeah. what it is. It's like I go into my local store. I'm like, what new battle tech stuff do they have? Oh, wait, nothing's come out in four months. So, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go do something else now. Like it's, I, I kind of wish we were getting some more new stuff constantly. I, I understand, you know, small company and all that, but I'd really like them to kind of get more into a, a consistent release schedule of us getting constant drops of content, at least like a monthly release or, you know, every two weeks. So to summarize, you want to see a steadier stream. Yep. And I think that would be really healthy for for everything in general. Yeah. But catalyst aside, but what about like BattleTech itself? Like, you know, even like the Ill Clan era, like where do you where do you want to see things go there as well? Okay. I can I can answer that one too. I'd uh cuz I I'd, I'd really like to see kind of what we've been seeing with the source books coming out. It seems like it's more of just like a tying loose ends kind of thing. It's cool, but I'd really like to see the next thing. Like all we're really getting is the same 15 months in each source book covering 15 to 18 months of time period just in a certain region. And it's like, all right, cool. Once that's done, like, I'd really like to see, hey, now that we've 
baseline the inner sphere here's your you know your your ill clan reborn source book that covers the next like six to eight years this is what's going on here's the storylines here's this going on i want to see that because i want to be able to look at that and be like all right cool i know what i want to do with my davian guards because i want to do this campaign now or i want to put this in here or you know that's this storyline with julian davian's really sweet so i want to see how that goes yeah like I mean, Dominion's yeah. Divided and um, Damocles Sanction, Michael Saravella's novel, I, I think really did a good job of getting me really excited for the future of House Davian, because yeah. I will tell you, I was very hesitant. It was looking pretty bleak that. there. For and it was while, looking yeah. pretty bleak, especially because Saravella was a newer author, and I wasn't sure that he was the right guy to do it. But I think he definitely was the right guy because he wrote a really awesome novel. Good book. And on, then on top of that, I'm really excited to see what happens with the... Uh, the free world's league uh do do the nova cats get to experience that then it got worse yet again or do we get the we get to see some internal conflict with some external conflict and you know the birthing pains of a brand new nation or a reborn nation i should say and the yeah. wolf empire i am interested yeah how, how do things go for othar and just in uh for othar and jacinda right yeah and hold that thing together i do i like the i like that story the poor left behind like wolf warriors who are just like barely holding on. Yeah. It's, it could be really hard to get behind wolf right now as a fan, <laughs> kind of, especially with a lark. He kind of, at least from my experience, it seems like he taints everything he touches from. I feel like they're base. different though. Right. Yeah. And like, exactly. Yeah. The, the wolf empire yeah. is like, it, it's almost the wolf in exile reborn. Like you can yeah. go to them right. if you want to be wolf, but you don't want to be uh, to. Oh to, Yeah. To quote uh, conversations that have been about Jade Falcon recently, uh, you don't want to be that wolf, you know? Yeah, and not, you, you not, have the outlet. not those falcons. Yeah, not those right. wolves. But no, I, I do think that the uh, Wolf Empire storyline is probably one of the coolest because it's it's very much that burning empire kind of feel of everything's on fire. And sadly, Star Colonel Othar is kind of left holding the bag and told, best of luck, buddy. He is like, what am, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, like right now, sad. all I'm like right now I've got, you know, basically the free world's league more or less, at least through the bulk of empire alone is just like, well, we're not going to invade you because we're at quote unquote peace, you know, doing the air quotes peace. <laughs> but then you've got like the Silverhawk regiments just kind of cross the border and just start grabbing planets, jumping around, going wild. Yeah. That yeah, part, yeah. I love that part of the story. And then you have mm -hmm. like units from the Timurn Abbey just being like, and now this planet is ours and that planet is ours. And oh, yeah, this planet is ours. And then you have the Wolf's Dragoons just running wild through the middle of the Empire. And the communications have broken down. You know, there's the jump ships basically all got taken. So they have whatever's left. And then you have the local populace that 10 years ago, they weren't clan. They were, you know, Liren or Free World's League citizens who are kind of like, do we have to do this anymore? And by the way, they don't really have mechs over there. So, you know, me, you and our hunting rifles can go uh, go get rid of those warriors real quick. Like, and next thing you know, we're in charge. Yeah, it, it's very, very much almost a hinterland situation again. Just the wolves have planned slightly better for them not being there. Yeah, I mean, Othar has actually been able to kind of yeah pull together a strategy to at least defend portions of it it's very much the difference between we planned to leave and we just grabbed everything and ran <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's just a book about a man trying his best yeah right? essentially yeah whereas you know the the hinterland situation 
which is all I think I'm interested to see what happens to the Vesper marches. I am, yes. I have, I have become a Vesper March fan, uh, through reading the second yes. book in Craig Reed's yes. Uh, yeah. trilogy yes. where it's like, you know, I really didn't like, um, what's his name? Uh, uh Brewer. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this guy's a scumbag from reading the Dark Age novels. And then you read the book and you're like, God. Yeah, right. then you're Damn yeah, it, he yeah. made me feel yeah. things. You know what? <laughs> and then you then you read that book and you're like, I, I hate you, hate but you. I understand you more. Yeah, I want I, right. I hate you right. because of what happened in earlier novels, but like also you're kind of cool. So it's yeah. it, it, I'm confused right now. Like I don't know how I feel. But I'm interested to see how your storyline proceeds. Yeah. And then, you know, also the Tamar pack, like what's going right. to happen with them? Because they're also an interesting storyline. I find myself rooting for the Tamar pact, which is uh, kind of wild because uh, I, I'm kind of a uh, I'm a big Russell Haig Republic fan. And, you know, they've got some bad blood there from long ago. But uh, yeah, the uh, the whole was it Sarah Regis. Is that yep. it, Kanan? Yeah. 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 Sarah Regis. I've come to really like her as a leader, especially getting to see like you have that one novel that kind of establishes them. But then uh, Smetzer's Grey Death trilogy is taking place. And yes, yeah. Aaron, I see the Grey Death shirt that you're wearing. <laughs> this is this is me giving giving them some some love. But you get to see like the reborn Grey Death Legion is also operating in the region and seeing this whole thing from their eyes as well. Because, oh, yes, they are. They are part of. Did you read the new one? The new one that just came out? I haven't yet read it yet. I'm going to probably pick good. it up this week. Pretty so. good. It's good. That's what I've heard. Yeah. 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 I was I was talking to a couple of guys over on the um, WolfNet, and then even our Discord was asking them about it, and they highly recommend it. Me and you also yep. very recently had a, yep, You were also had one a, of the conversations. I think yep. you, the conversation you and I had, Brent, was what actually finally sealed the deal for me to go pick it up, which, funny enough, I was actually looking at it in my Amazon cart while we've been talking. I was like, oh, I need to buy that. <laughs> I, I, I will find Kanan. <laughs> there. Done. I've done it. He's done it. The dirty deed has been done. Yeah, it's been done. I'll, I'll probably read it at work tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but no, um, the fact that we are also getting to see like the rise of the Tamar pack essentially from the eyes of some of the guys that got screwed over from the initial uh, forming of the Tamar pact. Yeah. Cause you know, um, the, Carlisle's, uh, not the Carlisles were, <laughs> yeah, weren't exactly <laughs> thrilled about that whole thing. And then kind of got, it's funny uh, that they're working for them now. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> ironic. And you're getting to see them, you're getting to see them play empire builder essentially alongside it. Right. Because they're, going around helping train the militias and various mili you know military elements and supporting the main Tamar Pact military as they expand and as they try and throw together a military. Um, so it's actually kind of cool because you're basically seeing all these guys that used to be comrades with the Tamar Pact dudes because they're in the same regiment are now working alongside them as mercenaries right. after getting screwed over by them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, The irony is just really funny it's but thick the, yeah it's thick <laughs> but at the same time it's really cool getting to see you know getting to see basically this new nation getting built through the eyes of somebody like that who's who was screwed over when this nation was founded and now they're yeah. playing a role in building it so it's a yeah. it, to, to curb some notes off of derek's opening to this this part is uh i think this section of time after the trial on terra and all that i feel like it it, at least from an outsider looking in, it, it's gone on too long. And I don't think CGL had intended it f to go on so long, but, you know. Yeah, production. I, by hook or by crook, it, is, it has happened the way it has happened. Right. And we 
we really need to move past this time frame. Yeah, we've been we've been stuck in basically we, the same fifteen we've been, months. For yeah, four we've been years. swirling in the same time, and it's great and all if you really like the the a time to stay in that time. Like you know, the people who really like the clan invasion, who stay in the clan invasion, and that's what they do. But for mm. a franchise that is heavily built upon the lore, you need it to keep moving. Not really done that. We made this big deal about we've closed the door on a section and there's a dead faction on the ground and we are watching the rebirth or birth or whatever you want to call it of a new faction, which is an amalgamation of other factions. And we've been just watching it kind of hatch out of this egg, but we've been watching it hatch from different directions for the past like two years. Yeah, right. What are the Capellans up to? Am yeah. I right? <laughs> are, I keep asking this. What are they doing over there? It's suspicious. Yeah. It's it's high time to f- wrap up this section of wrapping up loose ends from before the Star League, the third Star League has been founded and move forward with how it, it will exist. Yeah. So to summarize, literally just what you want to see is what's next, right? Yeah. I definitely think it'd be good to have some filling in a little bit of stuff in Absolutely. the past. Like I, the pick on Dominion's Divided, that book has definitely had its uh, fair share of uh, distaste from uh, the Dominion fans. And not not for any bad reasons, because a lot of it was... I'm not touching that one. <laughs> yeah, like I personally don't think it's a bad idea. Like the storyline that's been presented isn't bad. Yeah. But there yeah. is no setup. We go from knowing nothing to, oh God, everything's falling apart. There was no setup. And so we need to have a couple of things that set that up. And then we could go forward and go like, yes, this is how we got here. And this is where we're going. Yeah, that as a as a Dominion slash Ghost Bears fan, that was extraordinarily frustrating. Where we go from basically them talking about the Vega Protectorate and Minders in the Dark Age, the, from one novel to everything's on fire and the Ghost Bears are killing each other for kind of stupid reasons essentially from the point of view of we don't have a setup for any conflict within the state we just have war for the sake of war and you're like well why are we killing each other like why are we burning like everything to the ground that we built over last seven years the deniers ruined it for everyone dude (laughs) yeah like like there needed to be set up to show that that yes there was pre-existing you know cracks in the foundation of the dominion to then have a lark kick in the door and then suddenly everything yeah like, boom you know the pressure relief valves all go off at once and everyone's starts stabbing everyone else the deniers versus joiners thing just was like it would have made sense if they had set up like hey there's a bunch of conflict between you know your natural rossel hog citizens and your clan citizens like you know these kind of things that there's a lot of different ethnic conflicts or whatever within the state from, you know, people of Rosselhog background versus people of Ghost Bear background. But instead, we kind of just get riots for the sake of rioting. And you're just like, wait, what's happening here? Like, what's going on? Like, why? Yeah. Why are we killing each other? Like, even the Ghost Bear novel that came out. A question of survival. Yeah, a question yeah. of survival. Like, doesn't really give you a lot to go on with why they're killing each other. It's yeah. just, we just started shooting at each other. It, it gives you plenty of setup for why the joiners and deniers don't care for each other, but it doesn't yeah, give right. you any setup for why they already were primed for internal conflict. Yeah, why we're 
I agree that I, I think that what happens is interesting, but it it does it needs a preface. It needs yeah. the foreshadowing leading up to it. Yeah, you I need context. That. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the Republic falling, like you can't be mad about the Republic falling. Like you can't say that it wasn't foreshadowed. They've been foreshadowing right. it for like a decade. We knew it was gonna happen. If you've listened to any like Battletech content, a lot of people were kind of upset with that. But I think I think it's an easy fix. I think with some context. It's not going to fix how people feel now that that it's kind of yeah. happened ahead of that context, but I think it would it would help assuage some of it and then keep it keep the bad it would keep the bad vibes from perpetuating onwards. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I would I would as a Dominion fan, I would feel a little bit better with some actual context of like, all right, even though I I already feel burned towards it, I would feel a little bit, you know, it, it would solve the wound a little bit to be able yeah, to. Yeah, like, it give right. you a little bit of burn cream. Yeah. Yeah. And be <laughs> like, okay, like, thank you. You, you know, you helped set this up. It's, it makes, it makes better sense now. All right, cool. Let's just move on. But at the same time, there's that part of me that thinks that like, maybe it's just take the L on this one and just keep going forward from there. Because if they do have to go sit back and go back and, you know, do a novel to kind of set the context, it's, taking away from moving forward so yeah. it's kind of we're in we're in a weird spot i don't right i don't disagree with that at all yeah yeah we're in, we're in, we're in a very interesting spot in BattleTech where it's like there's a lot of resources but there aren't a lot of resources and they seem to be if we're using them to fix storylines essentially or bring context to storylines we're not moving forward we're not adding to the current era which is very new and like me jesty and a couple other guys in our discord were discussing it like we're kind of still at the very, very beginning of an era and we're four yeah. years into this thing and we need context. We need to move forward. People are like, yeah, the Ilkhan era. And it's like, yeah, what era? We we haven't had an era yet. I'm definitely excited for the Ilkhan eyes only. Yes. Because hopefully it does. You know, we, I, I think we did find out that it, it is going to involve stuff with the book of Pelons, Yeah. And hopefully it will move the story forward because I mean, just talking to you guys, it sounds like you guys, at least to some degree, really do like the Oak Clan era. And I, I've come to really personally love it. I think that it's, it's got bones yeah. to go somewhere. It just, as you're saying, it's just got to go there. Yeah, it's got to go places, do things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes because there's a lot of opportunity. It's just, it needs to go forward. Someone needs to put their, their foot on the gas and start going. So Yeah. And it's really awkward when we get something like Shrapnel 15, which is almost entirely all short stories written by quote unquote mainline authors. And almost none of it is moving the timeline forward. Like I appreciate that, especially in the regular Shrapnels, which I, I love Shrapnel entirely, but in the regular Shrapnels, there's a limit to how much F, uh, like control you can put over what eras people write in and everything. So like, yeah, you're going to get a amalgamation of eras, but Shrapnel 15 was all, they asked for those stories. So it's like, you could have catered to moving the story forward in this or filling in holes. Yeah, doing a bunch of Merc stories where we cover a bunch of random units yeah. during the Ill, beginning of the Ill Clan era. So you like, you know where your, you know, 21st Centauri Lancers, like, what are they up to? Like, this is, yeah. these are the people that, like, here's the colonel of the regiment or here's, you know, some people in the unit. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, they're in the Tamar Pact and this is what they're doing. But instead, we just kind of got like a, you know, yeah. I mean, we got another of, Secession Wars era Kelhan story and like the Kelhans are cool and all. But do we need another Kelhan short story about them doing random stuff in the Secession Wars? I mean, we did. We did get that. Do, cool we, story do we really need it? I mean, I get did. what you're saying. But but also, I don't know if we want 
where things to move forward to be. I love shrapnel, but it is kind of like supplemental yeah, to and, the and novellas why, and novels. And that's why I think it would work as a like patching holes a little sure, bit. Sure. Sure. Like, you could put a short story that's set in or the, like, the Dominion at but, like, oh yeah, the neighbors hated each other and they, you know, one of them stabbed the other one. And it's like, oh shit. There was going down in the Dominion politically before everything kicked off. Yeah. You know, people were stabbing each other over political ideology. Remember Atsushi Jones from Dominion Sabina? Does anyone remember this? That political leader? <laughs> he tried. <laughs> I just wanted to shout out Atsushi Jones. He disappears at the end. It's like he runs off. Or I think it's still a, a, a mystery. You know what? I, yeah, that's what I want to see in the future. What happened to that guy? <laughs> yeah. And that, that's like a perfect thing for the the shrapnel stories that are the right they asked the author to write the story like that's a perfect one like it doesn't need to be a novella it doesn't need to be a whole story just do a short story what i think they could have done with the theming of shrapnel 15 with it being mercenaries related is just showing a bunch of merc companies at the beginning of the eel clan era like some of the famous companies that we we know they exist but what are they doing yeah like like foxtails was great i know there's a decent there's there is a chunk in the community that does not like foxtails and, I you know, that's that's fine. You don't have to like them. But they had a great showing of all of the conflict within the new Alina Mercantile League. And yes. How it's the clan and the Merc and, well, and how it's also, all not working, but it has to work. All the stuff with lone wolves and how yeah, they, yeah. we get, we get yeah. the lone wolves, which I don't think they've actually shown up in anything really, uh, which is really cool. And that's kind of cool. I think that's kind of where I'm thinking, Brent, when I was saying about different, you know, Merc units. Is just getting to get some of these units that we we know they exist, and but they're like source book units for the most part. Like a short story about you know, like I said, the twenty first Centauri Lancers, the Screaming Eagles, like Screaming Eagles. Oh, the Screaming Eagles. That would be a really cool like story to get. You, we could get a random short story about one of those Merc units that's not even planet based. That's one of the like aerospace and dropship Merc units because those exist. <laughs> they're they're around. They're not very many. Yeah, like or what is it, Hell's Angels or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like one of those. Like we could have heard about them. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, Steve Steve adores. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even the Lone Wolves. I'm looking at their stuff right now. They they actually have never shown up in a actual. Um, yeah, they've story. been around for a long time, and they've for a long been a time. source book Merc group. And I think they're really like, interesting too. That there are all these like subcontractors yeah. that kind of work for them. Remember, they were running that Mercenary Tales series with the with like there was like the three novellas, which I think is kind of morphed into the Fortunes of War series. I think that's kind mm. of the spiritual yeah. successor. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, there's like one, two, three. I was like, is there going to be more of these? And then we got Fortunes of War, and I'm like, it's kind of the same thing. Well, we were we were supposed to get more of those, but kind of resources got diverted with the kickstarter getting out of control because randall and randall and his son weren't able to to write that final story because they kind of went off on their world tour over last summer very busy yeah 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 and i think that also links back to cgl as a small company needs to grow that that's that's almost what i want to see the most out of BattleTech in the future is seeing cgl grow with the brand's recognition that's what i hope for too i was going to shout out you you were talking about like source book units that have been around forever. That first one was about the like Elysian Lancers, right? I remember yep. that. Just saying, I uh, yeah. I'm still I'm still thinking about them. I'm like, oh yeah, there was that story about the Lancers, which is like there it was this unit uh, that had always been mentioned in source books, but it never really had any fiction or detail fleshed out about them. And they were like, you know what? Let's bring them in. The you know 
They're from Italy. Yeah, they're a perfect example of you know what you can do with those kind of things. Even the 21st Centauri Lancers with the two stories they appear in and shrap- in some of the early shrapnels where you get to see um, Operation Odysseus from their point of view with you know the Word of Blake because they play a big role in the universe with especially the Word of Blake taking Terra, but we never really get much of them. And then we got two short stories in Shrapnel, which convince me enough to want to do a force of them when the Mercs Kickstarter arrives and then pick up their, you know, faction dice. And uh, in terms of the Lone Wolves, I actually just looked it up. They have been around in the setting since 1987. Amazing. Yeah. And like, they didn't get anything until essentially last year. So almost 40, almost 40 years. And I do, I love their logo, legally distinct uh, Wally Coyote. Yeah, I really <laughs> want to know who thought it was a good idea to change their logo there during like the jihad to the way too overly detailed fox. And it's like, okay, go back, go back. We cannot do this. Who would paint this on a mic? <laughs> yeah, so it's a little much there, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll roll with it. Oh, that's funny. Now I'm imagining them setting up traps, like painting fake tunnels. That are actually walls, <laughs> making cliffs. Making, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, I mean, if we can the hill pull extend? the hell's no, part it's a cliff. Of projectors. I mean, yeah, dropping anvils. That's my Looney Tunes joke. Shoutouts. Yeah, Acme manufactures a, a line of Omnimex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would use them. <laughs> the Roadrunner. <laughs> well, we already got a. We got the uh, the Emerald Harrier, which is the Roadrunner. Little little tiny boy, fifteen tons. We got to bring this thing in. This has been a blast. I could talk to you guys forever. It's so it's so great hanging around the water cooler, talking mechs and the machinations of successor states and uh, interstellar empires. This was the most shop talky episode of the <laughs> so far. It was. <laughs> yeah, the uh, tangents have been tangential. Yeah. That joke didn't work at all. <laughs> it was worth the try. It was worth the try. Jason Hans's wife has asked him to turn it off. but uh i've had fun hopefully you guys have had fun and uh hopefully the listeners if you're still listening thanks for hanging in there this has been a blast before we uh do our usual outro is there anyone you want to shout out and uh of course if you would please uh plug your podcast as well you know where we can find you all of that uh fun stuff etc uh, yeah, so where you can find us, uh, you can look up on the origin of Battle Mix uh, on pretty much all of the major podcast platforms, and that will be where the all three shows will be. So yep, we're all under one big banner. Yep, and we do have a Discord uh, yep. on the origins. I obviously can't like regurgitate a uh, <laughs> Discord link verbally, <laughs> but hopefully they can put a uh, Discord link yes. in the uh, we will show have notes. the link in the description. <laughs> Sweet. Absolutely. I can't I can't speak a QR code. <laughs> um, I would be impressed if you tried though. <laughs> now I'm like a dying robot. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we also have a uh Twitter X, whatever it's called. Uh I personally don't use it, and so I don't know exactly how much love it gets, but we are on there once once a blue moon, I think. Uh-huh. I, think we are. <laughs> I, I never i never got into twitter i never understood it and so when we got I, twitter, I, I was like know. Well, i guess yeah it's, it's a thing man i, I don't yeah. know I, I don't really touch it we also have a facebook and yeah if no one touches the twitter then you don't really have a twitter that's that's fair <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> if, if, if a twitter if twitter is on the web page and no one ever posts yeah. it make a sound yeah <laughs>
uh, <laughs> for shout outs, uh, definitely got a shout out, uh, Mario, Mr. Brute. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a great co-host. He's got wacky work hours, so I'm just glad I'm able to get recordings in with them when I can. He's quite the character. I uh, I enjoyed all of the time we spent with him at Gen Con. Absolutely. We'd love to have him on the show, too, at some point, if the stars align. Yeah. And then also, I'd like to shout out uh, Charles Gideon. Uh, Heck yeah. He's, he's a great guy to talk with. And then uh, also at LVO, he did gift me with a uh, painted Giuliano in RimWorld's commonality colors. Uh, to to somehow link us back to that conversation hours ago. <laughs> we, yeah. We've closed the circle, yeah. <laughs> so uh, always love seeing you, Charles, and can't wait to see you at uh, Gen Con, because I'm planning to go to Gen Con. He's also imagine. featured in your crab episode, if yes, I recall. This yep. also, to also link and, back to the crab episode. <laughs> and, and you might be seeing him very soon again, too. So in our episodes, as for oh, me, yeah. I would like to shout out my other co-host now, Chris Jesty, who's now doing aviator academics with me and figuring out aerospace as we go along. <laughs> Both of us are very much just like, hey, we're just we're just figuring this out as we do it. Somebody's got to do it, you know, <laughs> it's a dirty job, but someone's yeah. got to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Someone's got to show that love. I'd also like to shout out uh, Mr. Jason Hansa. Uh, who seems to be a friend of all the podcasts somehow. It's he just, true. He's yeah. wormed his way into into the podcast. <laughs> all of our hearts. In our hearts. <laughs> he he is truly, I would I would refer to him as the master at this point. Um with his <laughs> insidious uh plans of 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 God knows what. So of course a shout out to him, probably one of the most interactive Battletech authors currently in the setting because of just how much involvement he has with us, which is That's really just true. Which is really can, cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And a, and an overall just an awesome dude to sit down and have a conversation with. I'd also like to shout out you three because letting <laughs> us come on here and, and spill our nonsense. So Definitely, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of us. It's truly been a pleasure. Uh, and you'd probably agree with me on this one, uh, Derek. I think uh, Brent should uh, definitely deserves a shout out here. I know 2024 hasn't been the kindest to him in the, uh, the oh, start yeah. off, but... Hopefully he's able to get back on his feet and 2020, the rest of 2024 is a lot nicer to him. Yeah, hopefully 2024 is a good year for him so far. I hope so too. Hasn't been great, but we'll see. I hope that one day at some convention, I'll, you know, a convening of Brent's. (laughs) (laughs) The great Brent Council can finally have its first meeting. There's there's a disconcerting amount of Brent's in Battletech. I know. The the beacons are lit. The Brent's call for aid. (laughs) Get your ticket to Brent Con now. Brent Brent Con. (laughs) The beacons. I would also like to shout out Charles Gideon. Uh, He's been one of my just favorite people to interact with. And helping me get into Battletech more and more as time has gone on. A shout out to, of course, the Wolfnet crew, who kind of are the reason we all talk to each other on a on a normal basis. Because that's where we all met. Yeah, that's where we all met. And then they're um, the pioneers of of this whole Battletech podcasting thing. Oh yeah. yeah. And then they brought us all together, the Valhalla Club guys, uh, for just being the fun people that they are every Friday night when we go play uh, MechWarrior online and and suck at it. And then, uh, yeah. Oh, and Kaji. I'll hail the Kaji. I'll hail the Kaji, who's probably behind me and Chandler's uh, lore. Uh, yeah, he 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 was always willing to push us. Yeah, a little bit further in our uh, outlook on things, which was always it's always a good thing to have. Because I was I was very anti clan, very Davian focused when I first came in, and he definitely po- mm-hmm. yeah. pointed me in different directions of Hey, go look at that, go read this, and I was like, this is really cool. Like I am. 
things I would have never read, I ended up reading and I, I really appreciate that. So I know at least for yeah. me and then of course from Chandler, we both appreciate that because that opened our eyes towards the larger universe. Yeah, I think he ended up getting me PDF copies of To Ride the Chimera, Last Charge and all that before they ended up getting reprinted. So that helped a lot with really solidifying my Free Worlds League love as well. So very, very formative person in both Derek and I's Battletech uh, quote unquote careers. It certainly does. Shout outs to him, man. I would also like to shout out Charles Gideon. <laughs> well, can we just go ahead and all agree? Is this, is this just a yeah, that, uh, <laughs> Like, what a great guy, like Charles Gideon. I like, I like, fell in love at Gen Con. I was like, this he Paul, nice he's just got such a positive attitude about anything. I didn't mean to say anything, but that's true. It does seem to be anything. Well, anything not to do it's, with a night chanter. It's a scientific <laughs> fact at any podcaster uh, convention. Uh, eventually we'll end up talking about Charles Gideon and how great he is. It's a proven fact. Yeah, that, well, you, that did happen. At Gen Con eventually it together, happens. Yeah. You just loop around. It's like, yeah, Charles Gideon. <laughs> that guy's great. <laughs> He's an icon. <laughs> <laughs> is he an icon of one, though? <laughs> Name drop the book. Ooh. I see what you did there. Those who feel to learn from history, etc. <laughs> I think they shouted out everyone for us. So um, I'm just going to say ditto. Yeah. And uh, with one last one, thanks to Catalyst for being stewards of the property and uh, hopefully keeping it going. This concludes the remembrance of Warrior Repost by Michael A. Stackpole. I am Keenan Hill, and I was joined as usual by my two good friends, Brent and Aaron. And also, special guests Chandler and Derek from the On the Origins of Battle Mechs podcast. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Yes. <laughs> As usual, we'd like to thank the author, Michael A. Stackpole, and all the other writers and artists who work so hard to keep Battletech alive. We'd like to thank Catalyst Game Labs for being such generous stewards of the property. We have an email advice at heat.management. If you have any questions, corrections, concerns, please advice at heat.management. We're on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at of mechs and men. We're also on the Valhalla Club Discord. We have a booth there alongside on the origins of battle mechs. On Friday nights, uh, you'll often find some of us in there playing some mech warrior online. So please, uh, Come check out the Discord and uh, come hang out with us if you want. We will return in the next episode to begin our discussion of the final book in the Warrior Trilogy, Warrior Coupe, by Michael A. Stackpole. Until then. Until next time. Say la.